Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I am your host, and this is my podcast. And my guest today is Kat Bardot. Kat is the makeup department head on the show Drunk History. And we have the most fun all over the place conversation. Uh, there are a lot of beauty tips. We talk about like microblading and vampire facials and just like actual like cosmetic uh, you know procedures and recommendations for products. But little did I know that would that would be saved for the tail end of the show. And uh, before that, we talk about butt implants, uh, relationships, dating. John Hamm, burlesque. We talk about Kat Bardot's entire life story, which is fascinating. And little did I know I'd be talking about uh, bodily functions so much. I have a complete shame of the F-A-R-T word, but Kat cracked me wide open. I don't know what was in the air that day. Uh, ooh, gross. Anyway, uh, but all of a sudden I'm talking about like, it was just a lot of stuff I've never, I've never talked about and we'll probably never talk about again, but uh, that's why this today is an exciting episode. Anyway, um, for more Kat Bardot, she offers microblading and personalized one-on-one makeup instruction at Bone Structure LA in Hollywood on Melrose Avenue. And you can find her on social media, uh, Instagram at Bone Structure LA and Instagram at Kat Bardot. And you can always go to her website, which is BoneStructureLA.com. And uh, before I throw us over to the uh, to the episode, which, I mean, God, I had such a blast. It's, I, I love it when it's just like, when I feel like, oh my God, I could just talk to this person for hours and hours and hours, like on or off of a podcast or whatever. But uh, it was just so fun. Um I want to tell you a few things. I want to ask a few things of you. If you like this podcast, if you like the Love Alexi podcast, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment, tell all your friends about the show if they don't know already. And uh, I want to tell girls out there, if you're going to be in Los Angeles on Saturday, March 23rd, I am throwing an event called Girls' Night In. Uh, I used to do it for a couple of years, and then I took a, an eight-month hiatus. But it's back, baby. It is back, and it's going to be better than ever. It's basically like a cozy uh, slumber party-esque vibe of where a bunch of girls get together. Maybe you're new to Los Angeles, and you want to make new friends. And uh, you know, you, we go around, and everybody kind of shares and talks about what they're emotionally spiraling over, what they're noticing, what they want to talk about, what they're going through. It's a... Uh, it's like the episode of Beverly Hills, the original Beverly Hills 90210, where Brenda throws a slumber party, but she refers to it as a night of female bonding. And by the way, Girls' Night In, the one I'm talking about, the one that I'm throwing, should not be confused with the uh, club night at Sir on the show Vanderpump Rules. All right? They co-opted my name. It's fine. It's fine. But this is a different type of thing. And when I say slumber party, I don't really mean slumber party because nobody's sleeping over. It's just a gathering of girls at a house uh, in Los Angeles, location to be announced. And all you have to do if you want to attend the night is uh, Venmo $25 to at Alexi Wasser and uh, include your telephone number, your Instagram handle, and uh, and there you go. And just bring yourself and the night will include cocktails, a non-alcoholic option, uh, a bunch of new friends to make, and uh, and the experience of uh, of the night is a pop-up gathering of women. What do they usually call that? It was another new term that people like to throw around lately. What is it called? Not a meetup, not a gathering. 
Oh boy, I'm blanking. Anyway, email me if you can remember what I'm trying to talk about, um, what I'm trying to say. My email address is dearlovealexi at gmail.com. Send any emails. If you have anything you want to tell me, if you have a problem you're going through, whatever, what have you, send me an email. And advertising inquiries can also be sent to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. And if you can't make Girls Night In and you want a one-on-one session with me uh, where I kind of serve as your big sister, I offer a service called Big Sister Sessions via Skype. So wherever you are in the world, we can have an hour-long one-on-one session where whatever it is you're going through, I will listen to everything you're going through, give you fantastic advice, give you uh, tools and uh, not homework, but uh, action steps to help you through whatever turmoil it is you're going through, whatever your problem is, whatever you need guidance with, I will serve as the big sister you never knew you always needed and wanted. All right. So uh, for that, click the link in my Instagram bio. My Instagram is at Alexi Wasser. You can schedule an appointment. And what else can I tell you? You know, it's been an interesting week. Uh, I'm happier than I've been in a long time. I feel great. Uh, And, uh, you know... I got a lot of great interviews coming up and I want you to tell me if you guys have any suggestions of who you want me to talk to and what you want me to ask them, please send me suggestions because I'm always interested in to know who you want me to reach out to, who you want me to get on the show. Again, send those suggestions to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. And now I'm going to shut the fuck up so you can enjoy my conversation with makeup artist and, uh, you know, my new girlfriend, Kat Bardot. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. All right, we are ready to podcast. You're ready to motherfucking podcast. All right, get cozy in that nook too if you want. Pick up my coffee. I'll put this here. All righty. So we just have to make sure you keep the mic close to your mouth. Like that, and then if you touch this a lot, it makes like a rattling sound, but other than that... If you touch what a lot? Oh, okay. It just picks it up. But, and then some people are like, oh yeah, I'll keep it by my mouth, and then they're like, over here. I'm so used to holding a microphone with my hand like this. Oh, really? Because I used to sing in bands. Oh, that's kind of cool. it projects better for some reason Yeah, I do that karaoke. When I do karaoke, I'm like, yeah, like, (laughs) oh yeah, I get really intense. Oh God. Well, you can do that too. You can do that here. Rock and roll podcaster. Okay. All right. Anyway, oh my God, I should edit that out. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm here with Kat Bardot. Hi. Hello. Thank I'm you. so excited to be here. I'm so excited you're here too. This is your second podcast or how many, even a million podcasts? This, no, I, this is my third. This is your third mm-hmm. podcast. All and right. I've only ever been interviewed by people I know pretty well. Really? So this is like a new experience. Because we only know each other from Instagram. Yeah. I think we actually met once in person. You look really familiar. I think it was... I'm pretty sure you were there. Right after the election, Angela Tremper got a group of women together in this like Jewish cultural center to talk about like how to deal with our families after oh like, my the God. election and how going home I, for holidays. You were at that? Mm-hmm. How could I forget you from that? That was such an intimate, intense night. It was night. very intense. Oh my God. What's wrong with me? <laughs> oh my God. Ay, ay, ay. Are you okay? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm still dealing with, you know, the aftermath of the election. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> oh my God. That's the only other time that's the only time we met. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. But I'm sure we have so many friends in common. And you but you look like Anne Hathaway. So I, I think get I get all the time. You do? Yeah. All the time. You look so so it's like for me, I'm just like, yeah. I think she's beautiful, but she's it's, gorgeous. But it's weird because everyone, it's like 
people hate her. Yeah, I don't like her. But, uh, <laughs> but I love looking at her. Oh my yeah. God, if she's on the cover of a magazine, I'm like, oh, why gorgeous. is it that people hate her so much? Okay, let me break it down. Let's unpack this right now real quick. That's the top of the show. Because uh, she's like so actressy. She's so irritating and actressy. theatery, right? So theatery, like musical theater person, which uh-huh. is like cornball. And she's like, I don't know. I know the buzzword now is like authenticity, but, but I never feel like she... And I just... I don't like using that word, but I don't feel like she's like, she's authentic. Okay. When she's just being interviewed or something, like she's a great actress. So she's like putting it on in interviews. I don't watch a lot of like celebrity interviews well, or I, anything. I saw her the other day on Watch What Happens Live with uh, Andy Cohen. Oh, I love that show. I love that show yeah. too. So she was on there with Matthew McConaughey and this was like really recent and they're promoting some movie that they did together that I heard is horrible. I can't remember. Serenity. I is that what it I is? I haven't seen it yet. Did you hear it? It's got but bad it reviews. it got bad reviews. People are saying this movie is horrible. I didn't even know it happened or it's happening or anything about it, but they were promoting it together. And Matthew McConaughey is like such a babe and so likable, don't you think? Yeah, he's just really chill. Well, just he's like a stoner hippie. Stoner guy, hippie right? babe. Like he's so, he redid his career. So I, mean, I, I feel like everything he's in is good. Like, well, he was great in Days and Confused too, but, yeah. but like Magic Mike and Dallas True Buyers Detective. Club, True Detective, Best. the only good season of True Detective. Yeah, right. But so he's so great. So she's next to him. And then when Andy Cohen would ask her questions, she was just like, oh, that's a great question. Like, just like, uh, and I just went, oh, gross. But then she said this one. See, I have a whole answer for this. I'm so sorry. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I have a lot to say about this. But then she kind of did this thing where she, I ended up liking her when she answered this question. I think Andy Cohen said like, what's the most annoying, gross, narcissistic thing you've done or something, mm. something. Maybe that's not even the question. And then she said, that when she was in a fight with her husband, she screamed, don't you know everything's about me? Everything's about me. It's all about me. And because that was so disgusting, her husband didn't want her to forget it. So he had it put on a pillow. So it's like on their bed oh on a pillow God. to remind her of her like ugliest behavior. So I thought that was kind of cool that she admitted that on a show. Yeah. And that was the realest thing I've That's ever heard her say. That's a thing to admit. Yeah. So that made me actually like her. So maybe I love her. I don't know. But you look like her and her face is so cozy and beautiful and just like a, an English rose, even though she's not English. And yeah, you just have this, you have these plush lips. Let's bring it back to you and away from Anne Hathaway. You're okay. effortless, like wave in your hair, a great brown oh, hair there color. Was effort. There was effort. There was effort this. in that. Oh my God. See, that's the trick. I mean, I put effort in like four days ago and there's a lot of dry shampoo in it now. Oh, see, but. I can't use dry shampoo because it gives my scalp like pimples. Oh, yeah. I, I get that once in a while. That's the most vulnerable thing I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> oh, God. We're humans. We have bodies. We're gross. Oh, like, we're so gross. Uh, my boyfriend and I were talking about stuff. We were having like a dumb argument about something. And he was like, and then he brought up how diff- how he doesn't like, he's like, why is it so hard for you to say like bodily, words for bodily functions? Like fart. Oh, I like how low you said it. Exactly. Like he doesn't like he like that was part of our fight the other day was like, why are you scared of life? You can't even say certain words. Like, and I'm like, oh my God, we're fighting about this. Like, this is like now the new character assassination you have for me. And it was like, it's actually really funny. So I'm like, so the opposite. I think maybe because like I'm a makeup artist and I'm like up in people's spaces all the time that I'm like, oh, bodily functions like don't really gross me out. And like... If I'm like dating someone, I'll just stick my finger up their nose and like I don't care because oh, I, I think nose. it's funny. I don't mind period blood. I don't mind nose stuff. Like I'll put my finger up his nose and put it in my mouth and like uh-huh. eat, eat it or whatever. Like, but but yeah, like butt stuff. That's where you draw the, the butt line. stuff. But even during <laughs> sex, I would I would put my finger in a butt. I mean, not his. He doesn't want me to do that. Anyway, whatever. But uh, yeah, but like 
I guess I'll just say it, shitting and farting and like that and diarrhea stuff. I don't oh. like that stuff. I mean, shit is rank. It's the grossest thing ever. But farts are just always hilarious I, to me. Well, now I'm getting over this because even this morning he woke up here and, and he yelled, he went to Siri, play an assortment of fart sounds. And all of a sudden, and, and Siri's like, okay, because Siri's British because my boyfriend's British. So I guess they're both British <laughs> and they're in on this together. And all of a sudden, like, just like a plethora of like different fart sounds start playing and I'm just sitting there and I'm laughing. It's funny, but I'm like, what is this immersive therapy for me or whatever? (laughs) And it was, and now I'm like actually getting over it because I really don't care that much, but it was part of my identity to be embarrassing. Where does that come from? Where in your childhood were you traumatized by farts? (sighs) I don't know. I think maybe I'm just disgusting and I probably fart more than anybody in the entire world. No, I don't. I don't no, I'm like a secret farter for ah. sure. Like, it's like not a I secret should, anymore. Okay, I should not be eating gluten. Ah. So it's like I'll go on dates with guys, and I'm like, oh, I can't eat gluten. And then if I do, I'm like just like hold, holding it all night till I get to my car. I used to not sleep over men's houses, and and I'd pretend I'm mysterious. No, I just have to go home. But I'd be <laughs> exhausted, and I'd want to spend the night with them. But I was just was to- so terrified because I knew this like all this stuff would just come flying out of me oh, in yeah. a weird way. You fall asleep, your body relaxes, and the farts come out. And oh. then you get made fun of in the morning for it. And you're like, I was asleep. It doesn't count. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> or what I would do at the beginning of every relationship I've ever been in for the first few months, maybe the entire relationship, which is why they end because I'm so exhausted, <laughs> I don't sleep all night. I'm just like kind of posing trying to stay oh, awake and then no. I drift off and I wake up and go, what happened? Oh my God. Just to, just, just to like monitor to make sure nothing like, yeah, that I don't yeah. care. I feel like that way for like the first month of a new relationship. And yeah. then I like, I like relax a little more after that. Yeah. With my ex, we were together for like over two years. And at the very beginning I was like, I have a rule. Like, I don't want us to fart in front of each other because I had a boyfriend before where it's all we did. And I swear to God, that's like why I was just like not attracted to him anymore after a certain amount of time. So I was like, let's not fart around each other. And then it started slowly like, oh, we'd go to the like other room to fart, but we'd do it loud enough for the person to hear. So we would laugh at each other. But I'm like, I don't want to smell your farts, but I'm okay with hearing them. And then it just started getting like too close for comfort <gasps> as time went on. And I was like, all right, we're, we got to draw a line in this somewhere. Then, is that why it ended? No, no. Okay, that's good. not why it ended. As long as that's not why it <laughs> ended. But oh, I, well, now I guess since we're talking about it, oh, I had, one ex, I had an ex-boyfriend where it got to the point where... I think he was farting in front of me. I think I I may have... Oh, my God. I, oh, the walls are really coming down. This relationship is so freeing for me, the one I'm currently in, that I'm like talking about this so much on a podcast. But with an ex-ex-ex boyfriend, there's one time where like... I don't know if we're just together for so long, but like there's one time where it's like... This is so embarrassing what I'm about to tell you. I love it. I We like showed each other... We each took turns showing each other our assholes. <laughs> amazing but why to show how they contract and then come back together like (laughs) maybe he farted in front of me and i looked at his asshole while he did it wow this is i'm gonna have to kill myself now no you're getting vulnerable Ah! this is what this is all about i'm vulnerable in so many other ways but this was like uh, i'm gonna go jump off my porch but then he did that and i was like wow i can't believe it it just retracts how exciting no one no wonder like oh my god what i want to say right now is so horrible that's what my dad used to say. He'd be like, "What do you know why shit is pointy at the end of it? That's what my dad used to say to me. Why do I? Uh, that is so interesting. I never really thought about it. He'd be like, because your, your asshole snapped shut at the end. And I was like, wow, okay. That was so little when he told me that. I don't know why that happened. 
This is this Pandora's box. Another time I was like six years old on an airplane coming from Fran- going from France to Los Angeles. And this little girl was French girl. And I became friends on the plane, but she didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any French. All I could say was we oui. like we, oui, we, oui, yes, yes. <laughs> so she, she goes in the bathroom, takes forever. I'm waiting outside. And then she opens the door, pulls me in and I'm in there. She's my new cool European friend on the plane. I don't know what my parents are up to. And she takes a piece of her poop out of the toilet and sucks on it. (gasps) Oh my God. What was your, I don't know if I, I don't know. I would react. I panicked. I got out of there. (laughs) Wow. This, I don't know what this explains, but yeah, this is like, I did not think this is what the podcast is. I where all your poop stuff comes from. (laughs) (laughs) That's traumatizing. You know, I hope my boyfriend is listening to this, but uh, yeah. And I barely heard him. I don't want to keep, it's dumber to spell F-A-R-T, right? It's dumber to do that. It's better to say fart, right? Yeah, I should just say fart. I think I've, I've heard him fart, but barely. He's now told me that he's heard me fart in my sleep sometimes because <laughs> we we're on this European vacation for 16 days and I was sick at one point and I am a human being. But my thing is, if something happens and you're sleeping, it doesn't count. Yeah, it's, I agree. Yeah, don't talk about it the next day. Don't be doing it. Don't have the bathroom door open. Don't try to take a massive whatever <laughs> shit. In, in the vicinity of another person, like go to a bathroom downstairs, wait till you get home. I don't know. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. How did we get here? I was just I trying to say you look like Anne Hathaway. My yeah. God, how did we get here? We strayed so far. We did. Well, we did it. <laughs> Thanks for doing the podcast. <laughs> I don't think you should even tell anybody about that you did this podcast now after this direct. No, everyone should hear this. Okay, good. I'm glad. This is real. It's real. It is real. Yeah. But I don't know where the shame comes from. I don't know. I You're think, gonna have to talk to your therapist about it. I am, but I think it's just because I want to. I want to be beautiful and lovable and sexy and fuckable. Of course. Well, and we're conditioned as women. Do you watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? No, but everybody says I have to watch this. Do okay. I? Yes. Okay. All right. I have a lot of mixed emotions about it. Tell me everything. Um. So I just started watching it and accidentally watched the second season and oh didn't watch my. the first. But I was just like, oh wow, they really jump right into the story. But I like caught up. I'm like, oh, I get what's happening. And then I finished second season and I was like, oh, I'm so excited to watch the next season, realizing, oh, now I'm going to just go back in time and watch it from the beginning. But in the pilot episode, you know, it's like the 50s. She's a woman who is wealthy, living in Manhattan. And when she goes to bed at night, she goes to bed with like all her makeup on and her hair perfect. And then once her husband falls asleep, she goes in the bathroom, she puts her hair in curlers, she puts a face mask on. And then in the morning, she wakes up before him to make herself perfect looking again. Yeah. And it just, oh, there was something about it that just like made me like so upset. Even though I know that's like of the times, but I'm like, ugh. But we've come such a long way from that. But there's still so much residual things ingrained in us. Even in the beginning of, oh God, Bridesmaids. The beginning scene, opening scene of Bridesmaids. Oh, yes. Christ- when she's with John Hamm. Yeah, what's her name again? The Kristen actress- Wiig. Kristen Wiig. How could I forget her name? She's so funny. Oh, um, so funny. She wakes up and, like, and goes to the bathroom, puts on full makeup, and then like po- gets back into bed and poses yeah. before he wakes up. But uh, wait, how do we feel about John Hamm? Um, I think he's a very sexy man. I don't know him personally. Has he been on Drunk History? No. Oh, we got to get him on there so you guys can oh fall God, in love. Right. Oh, I don't know if I could fall in love with someone like him. Why? Um, well, Why? I mean, it's very his his life is very public. Yeah. So uh, he he has some like drinking issues. Oh, he does. Yeah, that's deal breaker. That is for me. <laughs> I have too many alcoholics in my family. Oh, you do. I know my mom's an alcoholic. Um, but he has a huge private. That's also in the news. I've heard that. Yeah, you can always see pictures of like outlines of his whatever. I feel really 
really bad for him though that that's like I mean I don't feel bad for him that he has a huge dick but yeah. I feel bad for him that it's like his life is so public that people are like oh we're gonna post a picture of his crotch at least it's big and yeah. I'm gonna stop saying private too that's another thing I'm like I'm not private I'm not I, I'm not like a fucking <laughs> molested child guest star on SVU like special <laughs> victims you know whatever like uh, yeah dick there yeah. I said it okay cock <laughs> We Let's like get better. dirtier with it. Cock? Is that better? Cock. It sounds so dumb when I say it, though, I feel Penis like. Penis f- feels too, like... Clinical. Uh, clinical, yes. Penis, cock, dick. Uh, you guys write into the show. Uh, send emails <laughs> to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. It's weigh in on it. Weigh in on what word you prefer us to say. Um, but yeah, alcoholism. And he's famous. I don't think I could date a famous guy. Mm, I've tried in me the too. past, and I, I just... It's not for me. It's not for me either. Why is it not for you? Well, I... I would never want to be famous personally. I just think there's too much attention and like people, strangers want to like take their pictures with you. Yeah. So, okay, I used to be a burlesque dancer like in a former life. Oh my God. <laughs> and, former um, life, you're like 24 years old. I'm 36 years old. All right, I'm 37. Um, but yeah, I was in my 20s and... Um, we look great. Oh, thanks. We'll get to the beauty tips it's, later. It's, <laughs> I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke cigarettes and uh, lots of sunscreen. Oh, you never even drink. I very rarely drink. And I just tried to down cocktails uh, <laughs> you know, down your throat or whatever. Um, no, I'll have one once in a while, but no, it's not something I like partake in on the regular. That's so Sunscreen, great. Sunscreen, hydration, that's how you stay young. I love it. Botox, whatever. Okay. Um, Let's get to more but, of that Yeah, I, uh, in 2008, I had won this burlesque competition. It's like the Miss Universe of burlesque. It's in Vegas every year. It's called Miss Exotic World. And so it was at the Palms Hotel and Casino. So for the night, me and my dance partner were famous because we won and all these people want to like take pictures with you. And that was just one night. And I was like, if this is what being famous is like, I don't ever want that. Like it, I don't like it. Yeah. I'm not like a quote unquote private person because like I will I'll come on a podcast and I'll like talk about my psychological shit yeah. and I don't care. I'm like very open and I'm all about like vulnerability. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want people up in... Yeah. space. It just, yeah, it's not appealing to me. I'd rather have be like very financially secure and not well known. Exactly. And that way you can just be I prefer that. cozy, low key. I'd like to live in the woods. Comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Just have a nice life and not be stressed out. And also I think with like dating very famous, there's just like a level of narcissism that comes along with yeah, it. I think it, you have to be that way. Like You have to. In the public eye, they can be like, Oh, very likable and charming, but behind closed doors when everybody's ugliest self mm-hmm. comes out. Oh my God. Like Anne Hathaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It just, it'd be, it'd be like a monster. Because don't you have to be that much of a narcissist to get that successful kind of, yeah, you're there so has driven? there be something in you that's like, I'm special and I'm here to entertain you. Yeah. I don't think I have. I think when I was younger, I used to drink a lot when I was younger. And I think because of that and insecurity... I would seek out attention, but when I was 27, I stopped drinking alcohol for four years, got super into therapy, and now I'm like, I don't want attention at all. Oh, wow. Yeah. I I feel like a different person than I was in my 20s. Oh, thank God. Well, that's the goal. Oh, my God. But I still have so much work to do. It it never ends. It never ends. We're That's true. Evolving. Okay. Good. Oh God. Don't feel bad about that. I'm not going to feel bad. <laughs> but you're you're single now. Yes. You're single now. What happened with the last relationship? Oh my goodness. Um, we were just like not a good match. So uh, we both have narcissistic parents. Me too. So we developed our own, uh, you know, special attachment styles through that. He was dismissive, avoidant. I'm. It, he made me an anxious attachment style because of his 
dismissive avoidant, and it just did not work well together. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm anxious. Oh, you know, I'm... Is that it? That's anxious, right? Just that or what? Anxious is like when you start to feel insecure, so then you like become quote unquote needier of that partner. Somebody told me I'm a vacillator because that's one way, but I, I've never heard that that way to phrase like uh, attachment theories. Uh-huh. But wait, so wait, but isn't oh, it's anxious avoid? There's there's avoidant, mm-hmm. secure, Dismissive. anxious. Oh, an anxious avoidant. Mm-hmm. Oh, dismissive. There's all. I think there's Jesus. like four major categories, but then there's like subcategories within that. See, I'm anxious. I believe my boyfriend is secure. When people meet him, they're like, he's totally secure. Because I had a friend who was wanting to say, uh, who kept saying, oh, your boyfriend sounds like he's he's probably avoidant. He's probably avoidant, and that's why you're acting out so much. And then my, that same friend met my boyfriend and went, you know, oh, he's no, he's totally secure. He's secure. He just, <laughs> I guess, he felt he's secure. But uh, did he have like a? reasonably like pleasant childhood like he's a good relationship with his family yeah i think it's yeah it's yeah it's easier for those people to have secure attachment styles. yeah he doesn't understand my vibe at all because i and i do come across as like you know i've been called needy and you know uh yeah just anxious and all these things but whatever we're working through all the stuff we're in a good place whatever but uh That's great. it is interesting though how you're raised just creates exactly how you operate in relationships. Oh, and I, yeah, I realized like because I was constantly seeking like the approval of my family, which like I felt like I never got, yeah. that I re like I relive all of that through my relationships. So because I'm like highly empathetic, I'm also a narcissist magnet. Narcissists constantly happen to be dismissive avoidant. So I'm constantly trying to win them over and because it feels familiar. And I'm like, I know that that's not what I want, Yeah. but that's what feels familiar and comfortable in a weird... You're like comfortable in your discomfort. Comfortable, yeah, because it's familiar to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. But, uh, oh, my God. Well, how did you end up being a makeup artist and thriving like you are? Um, What's your story? Where were you born? back so far. Um, So I'm from upstate New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was a kid, I got really obsessed with like Saturday Night Live when I was maybe like eight years old. I would love Saturday Night Live and I loved David Letterman. So I just like loved late night comedy. Yeah. I don't know why my parents allowed me to like stay up so late as a child. What were they doing? Exactly. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so you're plopped in front of the TV. Yeah. It's a good thing though. Oh, have you seen the movie The Cable Guy? A long time ago. Okay. So Jim Carrey, basically his character is like raised by the television. Oh, and yeah. that's how I like identify. Like I'm like, oh, that's me. Like I'm Chip Douglas. He calls himself Chip Douglas, yeah. as a character from a TV show. Uh, and um, yeah, I just always loved comedy and Saturday Night Live. It just the character, character work. So I was never like super into like, oh, I want to make people look pretty. I was like, oh, I want to make people look funny. Oh. So when I was a kid. It was just always such an interest to me. I was always drawing. And then in college, I was a painting major and I was doing makeup on photo shoots with the photography department. Where'd you go to college? I went to SUNY New Paltz. Nobody probably knows about it. It's a state school. It's right outside Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, And yeah, so I started doing makeup with my friend Ryan Fluger, who's now like a really big photographer. He just moved out here last year. Oh my God, he just took all these amazing portraits at Sundance. Really? Yeah, he actually photographed John Ham. He did? Yeah. Um, Side note, would you date Jim Carrey or does he seem too fucked up? Um, I've worked with him a couple of times. I think he's brilliant, but I also love people who are kind of crazy. Me too. That's sort of my thing. So I'm like, yeah, I'd probably date him. I love um, him. Yeah. He might be like a little bit old for me, but... How old is he? He's in his 50s, like early 50s, I think. 
Early 50s. Oh, that's fine. I'm going to a wedding. Um, if you haven't watched... Whoa, oh, my God. Cool. Motor- if what if it's like Jim Carrey on a motorcycle? his show... Um, what, kidding. Like, kidding. Oh, my God. It's I saw, brilliant. I saw the first episode. I was a little... I got me depressed. It's depressing. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, but funny. Yeah. I've got... I'll, I'll watch episode two and see how I feel. I keep yeah. going. But... uh I liked him at the Golden Globes doing his little bit he did at the Golden Globes oh, or something. I didn't think I saw that. Something that was charming and he looked good at the Golden Globes. So I thought, because he didn't look as haggard as he does on Kidding. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of like wrecked and exhausted. But uh, what the hell was my point? Something about, oh, I'm going to a wedding and, and the girl is getting married. She's 30. She's just turned 30. She's getting married to a guy who's 80. What? What? How do they have anything in common? If you're listening right now, I'm excited to go to the wedding. Don't disinvite me, okay? <laughs> Please don't uninvite me, disinvite me, whatever the correct word is. But uh, I'm just talking about big age gaps. So if you're to date Jim Carrey. Yeah. yeah, but also very famous. That might be really difficult. Yeah. But I do think his mind is like brilliant. Like he's funny and I think he's very psychologically like... He's just elevated, yeah. in my opinion. So you're in college. And so yes, I'm in college. Ryan Fluger. Ryan Fluger, yep. I was doing makeup on his photo shoots, and then I graduated in 2005 and was like, I'm gonna, I want to do hair and makeup. I want to work in the movies. It's all I've ever wanted to do. Wow. So my parents were like, so you're going to move to Brooklyn, right? Because all of my friends are moving to Brooklyn. I'm like, no, I'm moving to Los Angeles. Yeah. And they're like, you've never been to Los Angeles. I'm like, yeah, so... So I just got on a plane and I moved with two of my friends from high school. And then when I moved here, I had just had to get a job. So I was like working as a receptionist at like a motion picture rental house, like equipment house. Yeah. Uh, and my whole plan was to go back to school for hair and makeup. Was it Richard Mole? Mole Richardson? Mole Richardson. No, Alan Gordon. Alan Gordon. And it's on uh, Melrose and Larchmont. I took a stab in the dark. I thought, <laughs> I've heard of one of those. Mole Richardson or whatever. So, <laughs> Richardson Mole. You're close. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, was, I thought I was going to go back to school for it, but just life, life gets in the way. Like you have to make money to pay your rent. Oh yeah. Oh God. So I annoying? assisted on a student film uh, through somebody I had met at Alan Gordon and I was like, this sucks. I hate this. Sitting on set doing like watching a monitor doing nothing. Like this is so boring. This isn't what I want to do. And that's when I started doing burlesque and performing and Oh, do working on this on the student film, but you're doing hair and makeup? Yeah, I like assisted a makeup artist. Oh, and that was boring too. Yeah, you. and I was just like sitting in a hallway all day and I just didn't, didn't feel like I knew what I was doing either. But it was fun with Ryan Fluger? Yeah, because it was just like when- doing makeup on the fly, doing like weird creative stuff like one day I covered myself in baby oil and then he threw flour and cornflakes all over me and we <gasps> came out with these amazing like textured black and white photographs. Yeah. But doing the makeup on film, like that's a different beast. Oh like, yeah, you're right. Like covering pimples and I was just, I don't know, Oof. I just felt like uneducated because I had never been on a set before. So I felt insecure and I was just bored. Yeah. So I was like, mm, I don't want to do this. So I started performing, doing burlesque, and then I became a company <laughs> member at Sacred Fools. But wait, how did that, you just like gloss over, okay, I didn't want to do this. It was boring on set. And then I become, I get into burlesque. Like what? That's just how I, I'm like, how did that happen? I don't know. I get ideas and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this out of nowhere. And then I do something and I do it to completion and then I'm like, okay, what's next? So you're just, were you watching a film though or you're walking down the street and... I had always like done like theater in high school and stuff and thought it was fun and I got super depressed my first year in LA and I was like, I need to change my life. I don't know what to do and I went on Craigslist and I saw a casting for um, dancers for a musical called Taking the Jesus Pill and it was going to be at the King King. I love a good Craigslist story. anymore. 
Oh, the King King. On Hollywood Boulevard? Oh, it's no, it's not there, I don't yeah. think. I really liked what that place looked like, but I it was parking beautiful. parking is usually so bad, oh, and I don't terrible. think Uber was happening when I would pass nope, by it. No Uber. So I would never go because I think my mom's band played there one time. It was randomly. around a long time. It's cool, but but yes, back to that. I love a good Craigslist story. Anytime yeah. <laughs> Craigslist is involved, I'm like, oh my God, tell me everything. So the producer, her name was Polly Parsons. Her dad was Graham Parsons, who oh, was like shit. a big musician. Yeah. Um and so I interviewed to like be her assistant and then also got cast as like a dancer. And all the other dancers were like solo burlesque performers. So through that, I met one of my best friends, Natasha Estrada, who I think will end up being on here with her son. Um, oh, that's it. Oh, yeah. Natasha Estrada. She's a burlesque dancer and a... She's a comic. She's an actress. She's, I mean, she's just a performer all around. And her son is Valentino. Yes. And he's eight years old. Yes. And he is supposed to be on the Love Alexi podcast. Okay, great. It's hysterical. Oh my God, this is great. I love <laughs> that. It's like a tapestry of like friends and family yeah. and people. I love it. Okay. She's been one of my best friends. I mean, we met 12 years ago. So we met on that show. She was doing a show at... Now I think it's called The Woods. It's on La Brea, but it was called something else at the time. So I went and saw a burlesque show there, and I w- my jaw was just like on the floor. I was like, oh, my God, like I need to do this. Yeah. And, you know, I was younger than I needed a lot of attention then. So fun. Uh, I was like, I'm going to do this. I have no experience in it, but I just started like making my own costumes, choreographing my own acts. Um and I did a very like comedy based style of burlesque. It wasn't like the Dita Von Teese, like posing on a stage, look at me, I'm pretty like Do you like her though? I think she's beautiful to look at. She has great props and costumes, but I don't find that style of burlesque entertaining. Like I've never seen it. She's good at what she does. I mean, she's a master at what she does. Yeah. But that's just I like more of like the New York style of burlesque, which is like weird and yeah. performance arty. So I was doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Were you uh, talking to a mic and make jokes and stuff like that and talk no. to the audience? No? Okay. No. So like, okay. So to me, what's funny is like making people sort of uncomfortable. Like I find that hilarious. Yeah. So I had an act where I came out on stage with my neck bleeding and holding it and I die, I like quote unquote die on stage and I come back as a zombie and then I end the act by like eating a brain on stage. Oh my god! <laughs> I like this. Yeah, I mean yeah. the the um, when I won Miss Exotic World, I don't think this act would fly now because I think people would be like, "Oh, that's like cultural appropriation. It's inappropriate." Uh-oh. But me and my dance partner did this act where it was Dance Dance Revolution. Do you remember that video game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's in arcades, so we had these big light up platforms that flashed like red and blue to the music, and we were dressed as like Japanese like Harajuku street girls because. We had a fan, like, we were like, oh, we want to be like those girls because they're amazing. We weren't making fun of it. We just yeah. wanted to, like, live that character. And also, I think that was around the time of, like, wasn't, like, no doubt, like, Gwen Stefani. No, Gwen yeah, it was Stefani. a couple years after Gwen Stefani. Was I doing, mean, she's the queen of cultural appropriation, right? I think she's so <laughs> likable, though. Is that wrong to say? She is very likable. I think she's a loving, kind person. And if she's done anything wrong yeah. and culturally appropriated, she didn't mean to hurt anyone, okay? <laughs> but, she, yeah, there's that, like, Harajuku girl yeah. song. Anyway, whatever. I'm trying to... <laughs> I'm, I'm on your side. So, okay. so, I mean, and we were the first people to bring break dancing to the uh, burlesque competition. Jesus. So that's how we ended up winning that. But I thought the act was just so funny because we're on... We're, it's like a video gaming act. Yeah. Um, very far from what Dita Von Teese does. So... Yeah, I just kind of fell back into doing hair and makeup because 
performing was such a visually aesthetic thing. Like I was doing makeup on pinup photo shoots because pinup and burlesque goes hand in hand together. Not just for you, but for your friends. And mm-hmm. like, so they'd be like, oh my God, you're good at this. Exactly. Help me out. Oh, yeah. that, that seems like it would be a fun environment because it would be like your friends and cozy and girlfriends and... Yeah, or was it nice to paint on a face? It's like fun and oh. creative freedom to do what you want. So you fell in love with it again. Yes. Okay. So uh, then when I was doing this late night sketch show uh, called Serial Killers at Sacred Fools, what's, a friend of mine... What's Sacred Fools? It's a it's um, a pretty well-known theater, like 99-seat theater in Not Los well Angeles. Not well-known enough. I don't know, but I, uh-huh. I'm happy to learn a new thing. Sacred <laughs> um, Fools, it's still there? They're at a different location now. Okay. But yeah, it's still going. See. I don't know if you've heard of the Broadwater Plunge. It's a bar that just opened. It's like attached to their theater now, and it's like owned by them. It's downtown? No, it's in Hollywood. Like It's the old Elephant Theater. Okay. Okay. On Santa Monica. I'm learning about a lot of cool things right now. <laughs> Keep going. So, uh, yeah, my friend, he did this sketch called Buzzy Grosvenor's Ding Dong. And his manager, Bruce, who owns Omnipop, I don't know if you know that management company. I do. So he produced like a half hour pilot based off of this sketch. And they're like, oh, do you want to do the costumes on it and the hair and the makeup? So by myself, oh my God. over like Easter weekend and maybe like 2008 or something, I did costumes, hair, and makeup for like an eight-member eight cast for free and oh I had the best time. You it was all did? friends. Yeah. I had the best time and I was like, oh, I really think maybe I do want to do this now. You, you fell in love with it again. That's yeah. so great. So through that, uh, my friend Henry's manager connected me with this producer, Dan Pasternak. Oh, how do I know that person? He used to be at Super Deluxe. Okay. Um, and now he's in New York. Um, I forget what company he's with now, but he produced uh, this pilot with Maria Bamford, and I've always been a huge fan of hers. Me too, yeah. So I was like, yes, I'll do this. I'll do this pilot. And I, I mean, I'd never done like an actual pilot before, but again, I'm doing the hair and the makeup, non-union like. Oh my God. And it was so much fun. And through that, I met a wardrobe girl who was like, you should work with Funny or Die. And I was like, I would love to work with Funny or Die. She connected you guys? She was just like... I was like, who do I, who do I contact? And she's like, just go on their website and email them. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Just go on their website. Yeah. So I get home from work that day and I look up and I see info at Funny or Die. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like never going to hear back. Like it's such a big company, I bet. Like, yeah. and a half hour later, Mike Farah, who's like the executive producer over there, emailed me back. He's like, can you work tomorrow? Are you serious? Yeah. And then he I worked there for back? three years. Mm-hmm. Holy fucking shit. So did, would you come to the, they would just call you. Yeah, I was freelance. So if they had like a, a shoot coming up. Then it was only there was one other makeup artist there, Shauna O'Toole, at the time. Who did you work with? Like, what are the actors? Give us some. Uh, oh, on the first one, it was Vinnie Jones. Do you know who he is? Who's Vinnie Jones? He no. used to be. I think he was a soccer player. He's an athlete. I think he was a soccer player, but he's just like this huge dude. Yeah, he was fun. Uh, I never dated an athlete. I don't remember. That was my first one, but I can't remember. <gasps> Any of the other first, I mean, it all like blends in together because I was there for like three years. Oh my God. I just remembered I I had sex with an athlete one time. (laughs) This is too much to reveal. We've been talking about bodily functions before, but uh, I had sex with a hockey player at a party in my early 20s. I hope it was, I was that young. I hope I wasn't like late 20s (laughs) or early 30s in a closet at a party. In a closet? With like a professional hockey player on like the New York Rangers. What? My mom dated a New York Ranger back in the day. Really? Yeah, like in like the... Probably the seventies. Maybe he's the same ranger. <laughs> He'd be pretty old for you, I think. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're working with Vinnie Jones. Yeah, 
Um, and and then after that, I was working there like, I mean, like maybe like three, four days a week. Like it was oh pretty consistent until about like 2011, I think. Any sketches I would have seen or like, or videos? I'm trying to think. Oh, well, the Franco, biggest one I ever Seth department Rogan. headed, I co-department headed with Shauna, um, was the presidential reunion that Ron Howard directed. Oh, really? And that was my first experience working with Jim Carrey. I didn't do his makeup because I was too nervous. So I had a friend of mine whose name is also Alexi, but he's a male. Oh. Um, he did Jim Carrey with Jennifer Aspinall, uh, who used to department head over at SNL. So I like got to hire on all these other like amazing makeup artists because we had so many different cast members. We had Dana Carvey as... George Bush, yeah. the OG George Bush. Um, uh, we had Dan Aykroyd, Daryl Hammond, Fred Armisen, Maya Rudolph, like everyone who's ever played a political persona, basically, we did in this presidential reunion video. So you had like your dream come to life or all of a sudden you're working with this department head from like, SNL, mm-hmm. all these SNL Cast and members. SNL sent us like the wigs and like prosthetics because they were already like fit to the actors' faces. I was like getting things in the mail from SNL, and it, it just was like, "What? Oh my god! How is this my life! That's incredible!" Yeah. Well, so you, you're working at Funny or Die, and then where do you go from there? How, how does that end, and wh- where do you go next? So through Funny or Die, like I met a lot of people. I mean, I feel like I owe my whole career to Funny or Die, honestly, because it's just been like a domino effect. Like you meet one person there, and then that goes on to another job. So yeah. um, I don't know if you know Eric Appel. He directed there for a long time. I do know that name. He's amazing. And we actually we just worked together recently on a commercial. Uh my first department heading a show, he hired me on. I think that was in like 2011. What was that show? It was called Dirty Work. It was for like an online platform called like Fourth Wall Media. I've um, heard of that show. Yeah. You're probably thinking Dirty Jobs. Everybody always thinks uh, not a lot of people watch Dirty really? Work. Really? But Marilyn Raskob was in it and she's fucking hysterical. I love her and I want her to be on the podcast. Oh my we're, God. We're, she would totally do that. We're friends on Instagram and I know we've talked about her coming on the show. We have to like schedule it, but uh, I hope I haven't uh, irritated her. Because I was in <laughs> I was in London and I was insta storing like the show called Naked Attraction where they like show. Oh, yes. Did you see those stories? I've seen, You've seen I've that show? Seen the clips of the show, yeah. Yeah, where it's like the craziest, for those of you listening who don't know what Naked Attraction is, it's like this. A game show, a dating game show where you get like a bunch of naked people are behind a partition and let's say a heterosexual guy is looking for to date a girl. They have all these naked girls behind a partition and they slowly lift the partition to reveal like... From the feet up, From the right? feet up to reveal the naked bodies of these girls and then based on like seeing bits of them or whatever, like... There's guys too. You see dicks. It, yeah, and you see dicks. That's important. You see dicks? Yeah. <laughs> you see dicks. That's my favorite bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I've said it before on this show where it let them like... If I were being like, because there was a moment where a guy judged a girl on her labia and he's like, oh, and he like kind of disqualified her because it like something about her labia and the personality of her labia or something. I was like, oh my God, if I was disqualified based on what my labia looks like, and I probably would be, I would be, I would die. You would never show anyone your labia ever again? Never. <laughs> I would jump off my porch all over again. That's oh my so God. Sad. Yeah. But, uh, but then men get their dicks out and then get judged on <laughs> their dicks. So it's totally fair. But Wait, how did we get to Naked Attraction? I don't know, because Mary Lynn... So I, I, I storied the show, oh. and I think I talked about some girls' labia, and then I got DMs from girls being like, are you labia shaming? And oh, I was like, no. I was like, I can't do this right now. I just can't live like this. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, and then Mary Lynn wrote to me, and it was like an emoji of like a wide-eyed, like... It's like a wide-eyed, like, <gasps> emoji. And I was like, oh, no, have I offended Mary Lynn? Like... 
I think it takes a lot to offend. Okay, you. good. I'm like, I hope she didn't. She's chill. She's really cool. I hope this didn't take it one step too far and she won't <laughs> be on the podcast. Anyway, Mary Lynn, she was on the shoot, you say? Yeah, she was on the Dirty work. first department heading show. Yes. And then, you know, every, then I worked at College Humor for two years, met a lot of people there. And, uh, oh, at College Humor is where I met Pete Holmes. So Pete has his own show on HBO called Crashing. He's been a stand-up forever, and now he's, like, a real, legit actor. He's been the most loyal client I've ever had. Really? Yep. We just went and did Conan two days ago. Like, I groomed him for all of his events. He's seriously one of the loveliest people ever, and he's the reason I got into the union. How? So I had done all these Batman sketches with him where he plays Batman, which are hysterical and everyone should watch them on College Humor. (laughs) Um, And when he got his TBS show, he had a late night talk show that Conan produced. So when they shot the pilot, they used Conan's crew. But then when it was going into production, Conan's crew was working on Conan and they had to restaff, but it was already a union production, but I wasn't union. So the producer like went above and beyond and like found some like loopholes since I had been working with Pete for so long to get me on board. And then once I did 30 days on that show, then I was able to join the union. Really? How does that work? Break that down for people who want to like be a makeup artist. Joining the union is actually really difficult. Um... So there's two ways you can join. There's this thing called 60-60-60 where you do 60 days of uh, non-union television film work, 60 days per year for three years within a five-year period. Okay. So it doesn't have to be three consecutive years. It can be any like three years within a five-year period. That is really hard to get in that way because they want to like prove shit aired and they send you, you have to jump through all these hoops. And there's so many makeup artists in the union that they, they don't want anymore. Like it's already so competitive. So they make it really hard to get in. Wow. Then there's um, star request. So like, oh. so say like Pete wanted a personal, I would have to do 60 days in one year with him. And then I would be eligible to join the union. And then the third way, which is basically the way I got in, is you sign your union, you sign your contract before the union IATSE contracts are signed. So you get like grandfathered in basically after you do 30 days. Okay. You, what's IATSE mean? IATSE is the like umbrella union family that, so I'm in local 706. So that's Hair and Makeup Guild, IATSE 706. But then there's like, Local 800, like there's so many different locals. And so you've got costumers, you've got grips. Everyone falls under this IATSE umbrella if okay. you're, you're working on union shows. And then SAG is like a completely different beast for actors. Oh my God. Yeah. This is fascinating. I'm surprised you don't know it because you do act. You act I things. do. But I mean, about SAG stuff, but oh. I don't know about like, I mean, I remember when I got my SAG card, oh my God, it was so long ago though. It was for some commercial I I wasn't SAG, but I was something about Taft Hartley. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I barely understand that. It was all so long ago, and I remember like a, a present my mom gave me was she paid the dues for me to become a SAG member, yeah. like because I was like a teenager or something. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know about hair and makeup stuff. This is yeah. fascinating. Yeah, if you work on set on Union Productions, you must be an IATSE. You must be mm-hmm. an IATSE. Yes. Interesting. So I got into IATSE because Pete was like. This is my girl. I want her on this show. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that was the nicest way you could have done it. Oh, it was the best. Oh, my God. And then during that time, I got offered to work in New York on Late Night with Seth Meyers, which is like one of my all-time favorite late night. I mean, his A Closer Look segment. I watch it every single night. But I'm from New York. I don't love New York. And I know that that would be like a life 
time job. Like that show's going to go on forever. Yeah. But I felt so loyal to Pete that I was like, I can't leave him to go do another late night show. There's no way. Of course, we got canceled. Like, damn it! Only a few months later. Why did when when was Pete's talk show and why did that get canceled? That was I think 2014. It was on after Conan, so it was late at night, and our format was different than a lot of late night shows. And I think the network TBS like didn't really know what to do with us. What was the format? Um, it's not like a traditional format where like you come out, you do the monologue, you have guests on. We had like a lot of different segments. So like each episode we'd have different types of segments. So we'd had a lot of sketches and it was a half hour. And it's funny because uh Conan just switched over to a half hour. There and it's kind of close to what we were doing. Really? Yeah. But does it but they'll allow for it maybe a little less because he's Conan. He has such a built in base already. Yeah. Oh. And we were just trying to like you know, get the ball rolling on viewership. So I didn't realize at the time I really took that job for granted because now I miss it so much. Like shooting at Warner Brothers every day, my <sighs> hours were like so easy oh and I got to God. be with my friends. It was like, And you didn't, and it's less work. Is it less work working on a man? Like grooming? It is, but like if you're doing some grooming all the time, you get bored of it. But with that show, I felt artistically satisfied because we had sketches, so I was always doing like character work. Oh, I love that. So we did like a Street Fighter video once where we had like all of the characters from the Street Fighter. So it was like bald caps and painting people green. (gasps) Oh my God. Were you a department head there? Yeah. And how many people were working under you? It was just me and a hair person normally, but then when we'd shoot sketches, we could like bring on help as needed. Okay. And but it was mostly just two of us. But you can do hair and makeup. You can do hair, I mean, as well. I you know prefer... how to do hair. I'm good at hair, but I'm in the union for makeup, for so makeup. I can't do hair on a union set. I can do hair on a non-union set, but I can't do hair on a union set. Oh, my goodness. Because they're two separate entities. You yeah. have to be licensed to do hair to be in the union for hair, and I'm not licensed. Is anybody licensed for both? There's not really a licensing for makeup. You can be like a cosmetologist or like an esthetician, which is like skincare. I mean, is anybody SAG for both? I mean, or not SAG? I'm no, sorry. you can't. You can only be in for one or the other. Oh, that was You're my not question. allowed to have like a dual card. Yeah. Um, you don't want to get too greedy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They want to like divide up the work. Yeah. If you're in the, for hair, you'll work every day of the week because there's way less hairstylists in the union than there are makeup. Really? And a lot of hairstylists are cuckoo bananas. So if you're talented and you're cool, then you'll work all the time. Oh my goodness. I, I love this. I'm just getting the inside scoop. Why are hair people cuckoo bananas? I don't know what it is. I can't figure out oh what it God. is about our profession that like uh, unstable people flock to it. But I always say makeup artists. Unstable art- people flock to it? Is that what you just <laughs> yeah. said? I love it. I always find that makeup artists are bitches and hairstylists are crazy. Not all. I don't want to pigeonhole people. You're not a bitch, right? No, I'm actually like, I'm... Uh, too nice, I think. Sometimes. Good. I like you. I like it loving. Let's keep. Yeah, yeah that makes me feel good. I'm okay. too sensitive to be a bitch. I think that sounds great. And you don't smoke. No, I can't stand when makeup artists smoke because I've worked with smoking makeup artists mm-hmm. and like, and I'm like, I don't want to say like, oh, you smoke? That's gross or anything. Smell nice with their hands near. Your oh, face. And yeah. Oh God, it's the most disgusting thing. Well, my key from Drunk History this season, she smokes on set. But she has a system. So she'll wear a rubber glove and then she'll also hold the cigarette with like a fork. Wow. Yeah. So her hands never smell. And she, then she'll just chew gum. She takes that addiction seriously. Yeah. She takes makeup and her cigarette addiction seriously. Well, she only smokes on set. She's only an on set smoker. She doesn't smoke at home and on her off time. Really? Yeah, I think it's just we, it's a stressful. Because it's, it's so boring and <laughs> stressful. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. So 
Well, so we can't get to, there's no more to unpack about why hairstylists are crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just I guess it would an be anomaly. A, it would be a funny thing to be like, that's my palette. That's my art right there. I'm going to like cut hair, well, style like creative it. people in general are kooky. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Me included. Yeah. To be an artist. Like I'm a little crazy. Oh my God. Thank God. Yeah. Those are my favorite people. Yeah. No, yeah. normal people are boring. So boring. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, you were working on the talk show with yes. Pete Holmes. We got canceled. Got canceled in 2014. Yeah, and then I got like the biggest job of my career. So then I got, um, so I've worked with Bob Odenkirk for a handful of years, and he got me an interview with the producers over at Better Call Saul, which is the Breaking Bad spinoff. Oh my goodness. And so when the Pete Holmes show ended, I was pretty bummed, but very, like, literally, like, I think not even, I don't think we knew we were getting canceled, but we were still shooting, and I got word that I got the job. Oh, and I my cried God. tears of joy for the only time in my. I've never cried tears of joy before. I was in my car when I got the call, getting <sighs> off the exit to go home, like the sunset off the one on one. Yeah, and I got a call from the producers, and they're like, "We would love you to come on board and live in Albuquerque for the season." Oh my God! Yeah. So I went and I lived in Albuquerque for like four and a half months for first season. It was challenging. Because I didn't have any friends there, and like my dog was back in LA. What? What's your dog doing back in LA? Did you have a boyfriend at the time? No, my best friend and her husband love my dog, so they would take my dog while I was gone. Because I felt bad bringing my dog with me, because I'm like, I'm on set all day. He's going to be home and alone in the apartment. That's and a good get a point. dog walker. He doesn't even know. I'm yeah. like, that's selfish of me just to like be able to come home and cuddle him for my own. Sounds like exactly reasons. what a dog is for. Right? <laughs> well, but, like, I'm just I don't kidding. want him to no. feel neglected. You're um, great. No, that's a good point. So I was just like really missing my dog and my friends and I didn't feel like I had like a big support system and hiring the locals out there because I couldn't bring anybody with me. So hire it because you don't get like the tax breaks and incentives that you do like when you hire locals. Most of the crew is local. Um, but that was challenging for me because I have my people that I work with very well oh, here that, in LA. So yeah. I had to like try new people. Um, so after first season, I think what happened? Oh, then I did a season of drunk. I came home, did a drunk, drunk history season in between, and then went back to Better Call Saul for second season. How many seasons is it in now? They are going to start shooting their fifth season wow. in like, I think late spring, but I stopped working on it. I actually left the show two episodes early before we were finished with second season. Why? Uh, <laughs> Ooh. so, um, I went through a really hard time that season, like emotionally for like a myriad of reasons. Uh, the week I got to Albuquerque, so I had a boyfriend at the time. For he, the second season? Yeah. He worked from home, so he was able to move with me. Wait, where did he come from? Tinder. Oh, wow. <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that's my first ever Tinder date, uh, was my boyfriend. Oh, okay. Crazy. Um, you weren't on Raya? Oh, I canceled my Raya like last month because I hated it. It's why? Why do you hate it? I just feel like it's the worst parts of LA dating culture. Like I was yes. on, I think I was like on the wait list for like two years oh, or something. And yeah. then a friend of mine was on it and she gave me her like friend pass. So then I like finally got accepted. I'm like, oh, I'm finally like cool enough to be on Raya. Oh God. But then like I never really got any, like a lot of matches. You like, didn't? No. Uh, you look like Anne Hathaway. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing though. All the girls on there are like young and hot and have bikini pics and like I don't post, I'm not like, uh, I'm fully clothed in all my photos and 
I don't feel like I'm trying too hard. But you are so hot. I mean, oh, I don't mean, I'm, I'm like objectifying. I'm, <laughs> I'll take I'm, it. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm allowed to. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I just feel like it gets like an ego boosting thing. Like, I don't think anybody, I do know people who have met on there and are like married to someone they yeah. met on Raya, but. My friend is getting married to a guy she met on Raya. My friend Brittany is dating Tommy Lee. They're engaged. Oh, I saw that um, documentary she's in on Netflix, oh, American Meme. I like that documentary. It made me feel terrible. It did? Yeah. I oh, yeah, me so too. I sad for all those people. Oh, it, for me too. I, I, for a second, I forgot exactly what happened in the video. I'm like, oh, yeah, I watched that thing too. Um, oh, the funny thing is Dita Vontese was at the screening that I saw it of. That was the last time I, I was like, wow, she is so beautiful. She's got perfect skin. Oh, she's just so beautiful. Yeah, she's like a, she's, she's like a thousand angelic. years old, and she's no, she's not. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I remember. Yeah, that is a really depressing documentary. But uh, and I wanted it to be deeper. But I did think Britney's storyline was like the most sad and intense because she's so vulnerable in it. And like, I just love her. We're so different, but she's and I don't know. I just love her. She's an really nice yeah, person. Yeah, her storyline. I felt like it ended on like a good note. Whereas like some of the dudes on there, I'm like, oh, those. Dudes are fucked up, Ooh. and they're gonna have a hard time in life. That creepy guy. Uh, spoiler alert! In case nobody's seen uh, <laughs> American Meme, it's only been on Netflix for months. But uh, the guy who was the grossest guy, who was like at the club, like yes. he has he's a girlfriend now. Well, I who hope loves he's doing him. Better then. And now he's all happy, and she. I think she go, like, and she's just like nice and loves him. And maybe that's just what he needed. He needed to find <sighs> somebody to like love him and make him feel good because it just oh, he's so very dark. sad oh so dark oh yeah. god what's the cobra snake up to nowadays the cobra snake? remember mark the cobra snake no oh my god he's like right around our age and like from like when i was going to clubs when i was like 21 or like 22 and you'd go to like i don't know cine space or something or oh i remember cinespace or you go to other places like other clubs like how star shoes I would go to like all the clubs. Oh my God, what a time suck. What a life suck where it's like I'd go to a different, like oh, this is the club you go to on Monday and Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oof, if you don't, if you don't get off that train, your whole life slips by. And then I, I could probably go to a club I haven't got, and I, I don't go clubbing either because mm-hmm. I'm like an adult or whatever. I could probably run into somebody that I knew when I was 21 who's just like still on that weird like club lifestyle. Oh. Of like, but. Oh yeah, Mark the Cobra Snake kind of reminds me of in a, a less sad version of that guy from American Media. Yeah. Because he would just be out at clubs all the time, like taking photos of like it's Steve Ayo. Such an empty life. It's a, it seems like an empty life. Sad. But how do we get here? Oh yeah, the Raya thing. Anyway, oh, Tommy Raya. Lee and, and yeah. uh Brittany. Not that, that sounds normal at all. That's bizarre as well and funny and I'm excited to oh wait, anyway, whatever. Okay. <laughs> excited for them, happy for them, but um, yeah, but Riot is normally just really disgusting. Yeah, I don't. It's not for me. Yeah, but it's it's funny that American meme movie. So I was I had just started talking to a guy from Tinder. This was like maybe a month and a half ago. Started talking to a guy from Tinder. I'm like sitting there at home doing my nails, watching the fucking American meme, texting with him, yeah. and then I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing on my TV?" He's like in the movie for like a minute. He is yeah. the guy you were texting with from yes. Tinder or from Tinder, Raya. yes. Oh. But I've also seen him on Raya before as well. Oh my god! But this is not the guy you end up dating, is it? Wait. Uh, by the way, let me just say really quickly, Brittany. In case you're listening, <laughs> I love you. I support you. I only want you to be happy. And I don't want to sound in any way like I was judging your relationship. Didn't sound like that. 
No. Okay, good. I was making sure because some of these people are like... No, they seem very happy together. If you guys seem happy together, yours is my favorite part of the American meme. I love you and you're a Raya miracle. Anyway, and uh, yeah, that's all. Just want to make sure I... Sometimes (laughs) I'll I'll say stuff and I'm like, did that come across okay? Because I had a girlfriend listen to my podcast one time and think I was not being nice about her boyfriend and I totally understand why she thought that, but I didn't have a bad intention. So (laughs) I never want that to happen again. Anyway, so you're watching American meme. You're tindering with this dude. Yeah. Who is the dude? Uh, you don't have to say if you don't no, want to. No, I'm not going to say. Okay. <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to say. Ryan Seacrest. Just yes. kidding. <laughs> is he single? Uh, uh, is he? Yeah. Is I he straight? I he is, right? Maybe. I have no idea, actually. Yeah. Never really thought about Me it. Me neither. Um, yeah, but just like Tinder, Raya, all that. It's a weird world. It is a weird world. And LA is so small. It's just like weird that you can be messaging with somebody and then see them on your fucking TV. Oh. And this person's not an actor or anything. Oh, really? No, he's just like in the documentary briefly. Also, I feel like Raya could be like a career ruiner where it's like, oh my God, it's the producer. It's the financier. I want, I'm having a meeting with next Wednesday uh, to try to get financing for the movie <sighs> I wrote. Or like, <laughs> like I would like stumble across and I'd be like, oh my God, like, and then hide myself because I'd be like, this is awkward, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, you do a season of Drunk History. Oh, yeah. And then, and then I went back for Better Call Saul. Oh, but, but, but in the meantime, mm-hmm. where does the boyfriend come into play? How did oh, he woo okay. you? And so, then we'll go to second season of Better Call so, Saul. So uh, after my first season of Better Call Saul, I came back to L.A. and was like, I'm ready to date again. I'm going to get on the apps. And this is when Tinder was still like fairly new. So this was like, I don't know, 2015. Maybe? Wait, Tinder's only been around for like five or six years? I think it was around for like a year prior to me getting on it. Yeah. Um, but I've been doing internet dating for, since like before it was cool. It was like really? a dirty secret. Yeah, like I think I met my first person on Match.com in 2007. You met your first boyfriend on Match.com? Yeah, like the first person I met online, yeah, it was in 2007. Wow, I went on one Match.com date and it was like a friend of a friend. Like my one of my good friend's brother, it was uh, his brother-in-law. Didn't go anywhere. Didn't go. Wasn't good. He was too thin. Um, this person that I met in 2007 actually has been in my life since then. Oh, really? Until like literally like we had like a, a situation happen around Thanksgiving where it, uh, like even though we're friends, like I mean. Where he's like, I can't do this and be friends. I love you. That's no, what I would be I mean, like yes, if I were him. I think him. there's like unrequited love on both sides and oh, we've yeah. like both acknowledged that. But also it's like we're trying to have a friendship because we know we're not right for each other but things just kind of like blew up because I called him out for I didn't like the way he talked to me good um he didn't like the I called him out on it and it just became like a thing so we stopped talking until like this week I literally this week I texted him and I was like hey I haven't heard from you in a while just like checking in and make sure you're doing okay and he wrote me back this long thing which was nice it was really lovely he's like I felt like the last time we hung out it wasn't cool um, I still really care about you, but like our dynamic is not good. And I'm like, I agree. How adult? You're such an adult. Yeah. It was like the lovely this. back and forth exchange. So I think we're kind of like done being in each other's lives after, this, you know, 13 or 12 years. This is match.com guy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad that's in a good place. Yes. And then you, so the first season of Better Call Saul, you're lonely. You feel a lot of sorts a bit just uh-huh. like, cause it can be lonely. Just like your first year in LA was lonely. Oh yeah. Like that's, I totally get that. You get back to LA. Were you feeling like I want to date again because of how lonely it was? Um, no, I think that I had like been single for two years at that point, And like it took me, I had a boyfriend for three years for the first year. I was just still like healing my wounds. And then the next year I was just very focused on career. I've always been like super focused on career, which yeah. has actually created problems in my relationships. Really? Yeah, I'm very like goal oriented and people feel that like, 
I'm neglecting the relationship because I'm putting so much time into my career. Oh, I would love to be that way again. <laughs> I've been that way before and I want to get back there. Well, right now I don't feel like that. And I'm just kind of like floating right now. But at that time, yes, I was like very focused on my career. I was doing two shows a year. Um, and, you know, Better Call Saul is a beast that takes you out of town for four and a half months of the year. Yeah. So when I came back, I was like, oh, I'm ready to start dating again. I'm going to get on Tinder. And I like messaged with like a couple dudes, like not that many. And then I matched with my ex on New Year's Eve and we both stayed home on New Year's Eve and just texted each other all night. Like I was at home watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And like You're such a badass. And like we were just like messaging all night and we like met two days later and I was like, yeah, he's cute. Like I will go out with him again. I wasn't like super floored, but then our second date, I was like, oh, I'm in. What happened on the first date versus what happened on the second date? We just had like a drink for an hour and a half and I was like, he was interesting to talk to. But then our second date was like 10 hours long. What'd you do? Um, We went to Cafe Gratitude and then we went up to the Griffith Observatory and then we went back to my house and like watched this weird conspiracy theory documentary about the moon. Um, I love this date. Yeah. And then we made out and it was was really good. You need a good make out. Yeah. I was like, I'm into this dude making on the second date is such a better move yeah i'm not a i don't usually kiss on the first date because i'm like i don't know you that's what happened it feels my like date. kissing my hand because i'm like i'm not there's no emotional investment or oh, anything yet i usually would just like kiss i'd go far like i i used to just be too much too soon this boyfriend that i've been with for a year we did not kiss on the first date because uh-huh. i like made this i was like i'm gonna do t- something differently but uh i remember one time i went on a raya date and the guy walked me home and we had like no chemistry. I didn't like him. We weren't for each other. <laughs> but for some reason, I'm just so conditioned or like, oh, this is like the patriarchy working through me, yeah. my own inner like misogyny. Like I owe this person a kiss. I wasn't even like, I. this is how bizarre and embarrassing and what I did. He walks me home. We say goodnight. He starts walking away and I turn around and I look at him and I call after him. I go, oh, you're funny. I go... This is really embarrassing. <laughs> this is more embarrassing than the fart shit talk earlier <laughs> or the expanded asshole moment. Anyway, I'm like, you're funny. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I know you want to kiss me. He, and he didn't. Like, and I, I, don't, I didn't really want to kiss him either. But I just, at that moment in my life, I just thought all men want to have sex all the time. All men want to kiss and they sure as hell want to kiss me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And then he's like, what? And I was like, I was like, who are you fooling or something? And he like came over to me and then we made out and then we never talked again. It was so embarrassing. And I I look back at that being like, wow, we didn't need to kiss. That was so weird. Why did I feel compelled to do that? And why did I think I knew better for him? It was like, <laughs> it was like, oh, I get what you're doing walking away. The old walk away trick. Yeah. Anyway, you guys had a good makeout on the second day. Yeah, date. we had a great makeout, and then we just started spending like every fucking minute together for I the love first it. like month or so. And he lived in Culver City, and I live in East Hollywood, so like, you know, in LA, that you might as well live in a different state. <sighs> That's a long distance. So I'd go and I'd stay like three nights oh, over at his that. house, like three nights in a row. I, I was like packing a bag all the time. That's, it was a lot of work. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we um, so he moved out to Albuquerque with me for the second season wow. because he worked from home. He's a motion graphics artist, and um, my guy's an animator. Oh really? Uh, similar. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean animation. Holy shit, it's such a beast. It, like that shit blows my mind. Oh, yeah, it's like really intricate and interesting and difficult, and technical, and, like, and the programs you have to use, and like yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that means that people who do that are on the spectrum? Maybe. Do you think? I don't know. 
And I just found out I've dated three guys That's on the spectrum. question. Because it is such like a solitary Like, and you're in your position. head and you're, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. So he moved out there with me. The week I got there, my grandfather passed away. And his funeral was the first day of shooting the season. So I was like, I can't not be there. Like, I have to set the precedent for, and like all of the looks, like I can't not be there that first like week. Yeah. So I stayed and my producers were like, so appreciative. Oh, like, that's nice. I had the best producers ever on that show. It was a bunch of women. They were badasses. Yeah. And they just always made me feel supported. I've like never worked with lovelier producers in my life. Um, so that happened the first week. The second week, my dad had a stroke. And my producers were like, we're going to pay for your flight so you can go see your dad because they appreciated that I stayed that first week so much. So I flew home for like two or three days to New York. To New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I came back. And the first month of shooting was like pretty good. Like I felt really good about things. I had someone to come home to every night. He would like make me dinner. Did he come home to to New York when your dad had a stroke? No, he stayed in Albuquerque. Um, he had never, uh, oh, he did meet my dad eventually. Um, so I came back the first month was really good. Then like a month into shooting, something terrible happened. Uh, like oh. worse, worse than the deaths and the strokes. Uh, so I got a call from the vice president of my union saying that an anonymous complaint had been made about me. That I dressed inappropriate and distracting at work. Mind you, I wear like workout clothes most of the time. So like t-shirts, leggings, I'm very covered up. However, the day that the complaint was called in, I was wearing a dress, but it was loose and flowy. Like my tits were covered up. It was short, but I had shorts on underneath it. It was 110 degrees and we're shooting outside. So it's like, you got to keep cool. Um, I was really distraught over that complaint because A, I knew it was bogus. So someone was trying to like fuck with me. And I have now the vice president of my union, not like taking the word of an anonymous person over their own union member. And now my reputation is a bit tarnished in the eyes of that person. So I was pretty upset about that. Um, I didn't want to believe like it was anybody in my department because I wanted to believe, no, we're in this together. We're brothers and sisters in the union. And like, no one would do that. Um, It turned out it was somebody in my department. It was Mm -hmm. a man or a woman. It was a woman. Um, This person it was like highly skilled when it came to manipulation. Like if you met her, you would think she was like your best friend. Like uh-huh. really, you would like believe everything that all of her behaviors. But she was just like so good at it. She turned things. She basically turned every. So through that experience, turned everyone in my trailer against me. Really? Because then she would go around going, oh, "Cat thinks you're the one who called in the complaint. Cat thinks you're the one who did it." It was terrible. And I always had a feeling it was this person, but I didn't want to believe it. And then this year, one of the girls who worked on the show with me, who I hadn't spoke to in two years, called me and was like, I just want to let you know everything that happened. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I didn't have your back. You didn't deserve that. I was drinking this person's Kool-Aid. We all were. I see who that person is now. And I mean, there's something really validating in knowing that my instinct was correct, but, and I feel like I held, I held onto the burden of that pain that I went through for so long. And now that I know the truth, I'm like, 
oh, I finally like feel free of it. I mean, two years later, but it's crazy. Did you get fired or no, no. it just made it very uncomfortable? No, it just made it uncomfortable because I felt like I had no allies in the trailer and you're spending like 16 hours a day with these people. Who's in the trailer, men and women or just all women? We only had One women man. on the show that season. We only had women in the trailer. How many season. people in there? We had three people in each department. Three so people? So six in people total in the trailer. Oh my God. Isn't that mm. so fucked that it was a woman too? Was she just threatened by you? Know, it's you? like women have it hard enough. Like why are you going to gang up on each other? But I learned something about this person. It's She just picked someone. So once I left, she picked someone else. She did? Mm-hmm. How long had you been there for? She was on the first season with. She did the first and second season with us, and and then I, I found out like the first season she she had picked my key that season, who was a male, and like also tried to turn he and I against each other. Oh god! But she's so skilled at manipulation that I didn't see it. You god, know, I wish I were that good at manipulation. No, I'm it's just evil. It's evil. It is evil. I was just like, I don't. Know. She she must be so unhappy with herself and her life if she feels she needs to do this to other people. Yeah. So I feel empathy for her. Oh, that's nice because. She's obviously a person who's in pain. Yeah. People who aren't in pain don't do that. That's true. So um, so that's happening, but you're still working there. And then mm-hmm. how does that unfold and what happens in your home life So then, your I, then I was just feeling like an outsider in my own department. I'm Oof. the makeup department head. I'm the star of the show brought me onto the show. Like this is, feels like my baby, this show, and I feel like an outsider. So yeah, grandfather died. Dad had a stroke. I'm being bullied covertly in my trailer. Dad's um, okay though, right? Dad's okay? He's great now. Okay, good. Um, and then my boyfriend and I broke up. Why? What happened with your boyfriend? We, How long have you been? He together? was the dismissive avoidant one. We broke up like three times over the course of our relationship. But that was the first that was the first time. And he left. And so then I'm coming home to this empty apartment that I shared with him every night. I feel like I have zero support now. How long have you guys been together for? At that point we'd been together like ten months. Ten months. But I thought in previous relationships you had been so into your career and like people would be like, Oh, you're so into your career bring it back to the relationship. This was, that was the first relationship where, uh, I felt like the relationship came before my career. Wow. Cause I think I learned, I learned through other experiences that like to give more. Or yeah. Like my relationships are so valuable and like my career really shouldn't be first all the time. And that seemed like you've got a, you had a lock, you have a lock on your career. You got that sorted yeah. out. You're, you're a master at that. You're really good at it. So yeah, why not try? Yeah. So he left. So now, then I'm feeling like super alone. And then my brother <laughs> needed oh, no. to have like a intervention because I have alcoholics in my family. And I was like, I can't, I have no support system. My family life is like falling apart. And I'm not super tight with my family in the first place. And my brother is the one person that I'm like, he's my, I feel like he's my child. Like I raised him since I was 12. Yeah. So I was like, I can't take this. And I overloaded and I was having like panic attacks. My, uh, I couldn't sleep because my anxiety was so high that not even Ambien was keeping me asleep. Oh I didn't my God. eat for like weeks and I was just like weak and I just couldn't take it anymore. And I, I, I went to my producer and I was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to leave. This is the hardest decision of my life, but I don't, fe- I wasn't present. I felt like I couldn't give my all to the show and that's not fair to the show. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't want the show... I don't want to drop the ball on anything here because of my own personal stuff because that show was so important to me. Um, and my actors on that show were so awesome. It was so hard to like Who make the decision. I've lead. never seen this show before. So Can Bob Odenkirk that? is the lead. Michael McKeon plays his brother. He's like the loveliest man. Jonathan Banks, who is Mike on Breaking Bad, also so awesome. Ray Seahorn was our female lead. Super cool chick. Yeah. Um 
there, I mean, there were so many great people on that show. It was really, it was one of the biggest and hardest decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, but I made the right decision because as soon as I got back to LA and had my support system back, I felt so much better. Where did you live? You just found a place really fast or did you stay with a friend? No, I like sublet my place out in LA. That's so smart. While I was in Albuquerque. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Would you like just get out of here? Well, I had a friend staying at my place when I came back and I called her and I'm like, "Uh, so I'm coming back early. Yeah. Thankfully, I have two bedrooms. So she was in the second bedroom. That's good. Um, But... Then she finally gets the hell out of there. You get your place yeah. back. And yep. then and then my life started to normalize again. So me and my boyfriend got back together. We got into couples therapy together. How was that? It was the most valuable experience I've ever had. You are pro couples therapy. I am pro therapy across the board. I love it. Yeah. Because I am too. And I would totally do that with my boyfriend. I brought it up one time uh, it yesterday. It's amazing. He, he said, and I'm not anti-therapy, so it makes me happy. I keep yeah. Going. So <clears throat> this is what I learned about couples therapy. When you wait and I was always like, I was of the mindset of, oh, that's for like married people who are like basically about to get divorced. If you wait that long, it's too fucking late. Yeah. So the earlier you get in, the better because you have two completely separate humans who have different attachment styles who communicate completely differently. It's good to like get in, learn how to communicate before you build up resentments. Because if you have to undo the resentments and learn to communicate, that's... That's a heavy load. Oh, wow. And I think even though we'd only been together 10 months, there were already too many resentments built up. He had all these ideas about me that were incorrect. I had ideas about him that were incorrect, um, where I think that if we had maybe got in at like three months, like we would have learned to understand each other better. But can you imagine like three months in being like, I think it's time for couple therapy. Zach Shepard and Kristen Bell. They got into therapy like immediately together and they, they're like couple goals to me. Really? Yeah. How do you know they got into therapy three months in? There's an article or do you know? I don't know if it was three months in, but I know it was very, at the very beginning. Yeah. They, they've done a lot of like articles and interviews about their relationship and how it started. Have you ever listened to his podcast, Armchair Expert? No. So he's had her on twice. They're my favorite episodes is when he has her on. Just their dynamic together is so funny and they're just so honest and they're like, yeah, we have problems. But they know how to operate around everything. What are their problems? How do they operate? I guess I'll listen to the podcast. They're very different people. Yeah. Listen to the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Or have him on and ask him. Um, It is such an interesting thing, though, because so (laughs) I need to chill out is me. No, I think you and I have a lot of like similarities with our anxiety and overthinking. I overthink everything. So (laughs) I had a guy recently tell me, you just need to stop like overthinking. And I was like, you're basically telling me to not be myself. Like I can't control it. I have an anxiety disorder. I mean, I try and control it to the best of my ability. I meditated twice yesterday and then I still had a fight. I'm on 25 milligrams of Zoloft. I've got to get off it. It's not doing anything. Three, oh, really? Three months in and it's just, I feel like I, my memory is bad. Oh, and it's make, I'm getting like brain zaps sometimes. Yeah. Have you ever been on any antidepressants? No, I've never taken an SSRI. I have a Xanax prescription for like when my anxiety gets like unbearable. Give I me one. <laughs> I try so hard not to take it. I've um, never taken Xanax. Oh, really? Would I? It's, <laughs> is it great? Yeah. If you're like on the verge of a panic attack, like it'll save you. Does it sound like I have panic attacks? I don't know. I don't know you well enough to make that assessment. I want you to make an assessment right but now. But you no. do sound like, yes, you have anxiety. And, and you overthink and you probably ruminate because I do this, I do that like crazy. I'll be like in the bathtub for like three hours, just be like, my, my brain's just going, I'm staring at the wall, like con- multiple conversations are going on in my head. I'm like, I f- I'll find anything to hook into to like make yeah. myself feel bad. 
and I'm this anxiety queen, so I'm trying to tone it down, but because it isn't me, but it is me. Like it isn't you, but it is you. Uh huh. I think it's a fun way to be <laughs> when I'm not <laughs> suffering. Yeah. Am I, do I just share way too much about him in my relationship? Is this like too much? I don't think so, but I'm an oversharer, so I'm like the worst person to ask. Are we both oversharing equally? I think so. Let's just get back to fart stuff, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) But uh, I didn't say anything crazy dangerous or like, okay, good. Not too like vulnerable and revealing. Where were we all in this? Uh, It was my boyfriend and I broke up when we were in Albuquerque, got into couples therapy. Oh, Go back yeah. together. And you loved it. You loved the couples therapy. I loved it. I mean, it was challenging. But now looking back at it, I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about what I'm going to do better in my next relationship what and how I better? can be a better partner. What are you going to do better? Start couples um, counseling, fourth date. You start communicating better like, instead of like holding it all in and hoping things change. It'd be like, this is what I need. Like, I don't think I was like expressing what my needs were in like a clear and concise way. Um, and it's just like read as being needy instead of straightforward. Yeah. And I think caring more about the other person's feelings in a way that's vo- vo- like valuable to them. I think I was caring for him in a way that like in the way that I would want to be cared for instead of caring for him in a way that he would want to be cared for. However, he did not make that easy because he, Wouldn't I don't even you? think he knew his own needs. So he couldn't convey what his needs were to me. Keep going. I don't mean to keep interrupting. Um, we ended up breaking up like, you know, a couple more times. So we, we broke up like almost two years ago now. A couple more times. How, sounds sexy. I mean, it was. <laughs> it was? How long were you together for? For just over two years. And how do these breakups work when you break up? Because I've never done that before. We break up and then... So I always had a rule that like you're allowed to break up once and get back together, but if you do it again, you look fucking stupid. So, but I did not adhere to my own rule this time. So we broke up the first time when we were in Albuquerque, got back together on like on the basis that we would go to therapy together. How long are the breakups? Every time you break up, that for? breakup was like a month. Wow. Um, maybe not. Maybe it was maybe like three weeks. So basically, what happened was we broke up. I went into a downward spiral. He flew back to Albuquerque, packed up the apartment, and drove me back to L.A. So we stopped in Sedona on the way back, and we had this, like, amazing night together. He was acting the way that I always just wanted him to act. Like, he was being, like, outwardly affectionate. Like, he wasn't withholding. Like, he was really just caring for me. Yeah. Um, And we could talk for fucking hours. Like, we would drive in the car for, like, six hours and not even have music on because we would just talk and talk. He was really intelligent. And, like, I was always, like, learning things with him. So when we got back to L.A., we went straight to his apartment and we spent, like, 24 hours in his bed. And I was like, I don't want to leave here because I know once I leave here, like, this is over. This is done. Like, that doesn't... I don't want a life without you in it. Like, I want to like try and do this, but it's not working. So we decided that we would go to therapy together and give it another try. So then I think we were together for like another year, maybe. Um, and how did it go wrong from there? I was super, I started getting super unhappy. So I was doing drunk history. I was working a lot and spending my weekends with him and like just feeling alone in the relationship. How did that happen? He's just, dismissive avoidant and and like I didn't feel like the therapy was really like working at that point because I felt like I was putting 
I was working harder at it than he was. I know that he was working at it in his way, but like we were so, we're so different and our views of the world are so different. So I was feeling like alone in the relationship and miserable. I wanted to break up with him. I was like, I'm so busy with work. Like I don't have time to break up. I, I can't go through a breakup while I'm on a show. Like, oh, yeah. Well, how did you get back in the drunk history? You, they're just, you're like, I'm available. Yeah. Like each and season gets like renewed and then I, I like, we'll just like start the new season. Great. So I think that was during season... Four. Yeah, that was season four that we that I was feeling miserable and I thought we were going to break up during it, but I was like, I don't have time to break up. We ended up breaking up like a couple months after the season had ended because we were both at that time, we're just like ready to call it a day. Yeah. We were like, this isn't working. Let's not do this. And then, of course, as soon as we break up, he starts doing all of the right things again. Oh, that's so annoying. Like, Why is this happening? It's Why be- is it happening? It's because the pressure is off at that point. Because you don't feel beholden to that person. I'm so not. I'm so invested, right? I'm like, tell yeah. me why? Why is he doing this to us? Yeah, and he. I mean, he got me this like amazing birthday gift. Where the year before, he didn't get me anything for my birthday. Nothing for your birthday the year before. Nothing, because we were like sort of broken up around that time, Convenient. and then he got me this like amazing ring that I had wanted from this shop on Abbot Kinney, and like not an engagement ring. No, it was um an ammonite. What'd you do with it now that you guys aren't I together? I still have it, and it's like basically a decoration in my apartment because it's like a little bit. Too too painful to wear. To wear. It. I know I'm trying to sell a ring from my ex-boyfriend and it's like over a thousand dollars, but I'm just trying to sell it for five hundred dollars. Yeah. Because I don't want I don't want to take less because it's so beautiful. I'd rather just keep it unless I can get five hundred dollars for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Anyway, keep going. So we broke up again and then I think that was like at the end of August that year. And then in December I had to have knee surgery. And I needed someone to take care of me and he offered to take care of me. And I didn't, I was like, I don't know. That's like very vulnerable. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. But then I thought about it. I'm like, there's no one else I would want to take care of me. Yeah. Sounds cozy. So he took care of me through knee surgery. We spent like uh, New Year's together and we were like, this is our last night hanging out. Like that was going to be it. And then we were going to part ways. And then somehow we're like, let's try it again. Let's do it. Oh my God. we made a, we made a deal. We were like, we're going to do this for three months. We're going to commit to doing three months and then we're going to like reassess. We're going to get back into therapy and after three months we'll reassess. So in that time, I decided I was going to open a business. So um, I went back to school to learn how to microblade, which is like doing like eyebrow tattooing. Now we're getting back to beauty. All my <laughs> listeners are like, we're here for beauty, you asshole. Stop fucking talking about your dating lives. But yeah. But dating is so much more interesting. It is so um, much more interesting. I'm sorry. I'm like, forgot I was even podcasting. I'm like, then what happened? Like, yeah. this is my favorite. So I went back to school for microblading and then I was like working at um, like tattoo shops around town. Can you... And- Tattoo people too, or just microblade? No, I just micro. I do cosmetic tattoo. I don't do like artistic tattoo. It's Wait, so you could ta- you could tattoo my eyebrows? Mm-hmm. Should I tattoo my eyebrows? I think everyone should tattoo their eyebrows. Why? Yeah, let's darken them up, fill them in a little. Really? Yeah. Should I? Do I have to worry about my eyebrows? I mean, they're covered. I'm naturally blonde, you, but then and you have bangs too. So yeah, like, so it yeah. just seems like one less thing I have to worry about. Yeah, because Angela Trimber so into eyebrows and stuff oh, like that. Oh, she's got great eyebrows. And like, but I never got into it. But I'm thinking, am I making a bad choice? Anyway, what's microblading? By so the way? it's semi permanent cosmetic tattoo. So you don't do it with a machine, you do it with like a little hand tool that's basically like a little X Acto knife, essentially. Oh. And you're making micro cuts in the first few layers of skin and implanting pigment in those cuts. So it looks like hair strokes. Wow. So 
I, cause I had mine done like five years ago and I was just like, what? I love eyebrows. It's like my favorite part of doing a makeup is doing eyebrows. Oh I'm like very technical. I love like tedious, intricate work. And I'm like, I would be great at this. Oh my God. You're incredible. You're so driven. Oh, I love it. Thanks. Yeah. So I started looking around town for a rent, a rental space to build out my own shop. Cause I wasn't finding anything that was like perfect for me. I really wanted like a private room. I don't want to be in like an open floor plan with other tattooists who have their machines on and they're loud. Yeah. Um, I wanted it to be really intimate. I wanted it to not look like a traditional salon at all. And so I happened to be driving down Melrose Avenue and saw a for rent sign in the Alan Gordon building, which was my first job ever when I moved to LA. Oh my God. And they had a 600 square foot space and the rent was Dirt cheap. Dirt cheap? But it looked like shit inside. When was this? This was like almost, this was like two years ago. Okay. So what's what's dirt cheap? None of my business. $2 a square foot. Okay. Keep going. Um, So I renovated space. I put like $30,000 into the space. You saved your money. You're good with your money. I I try my best. I also love to spend though. You do? (laughs) But you sounds like you're a good saver and you're such a, you're working all the time. I'm pretty, I'm pretty adult. I love this. Um, so I started renovating that space and during that time was when we were like doing our three month trial. So I was under like a tremendous amount of stress and uh, I suffer from like anxiety and depression. So my depression started getting really bad during that time because I was waking up, working on the space all day, going home, going to sleep, sleeping in my clothes and like going right back the next day. Was he there or no? He lived in his own place. Well, yeah, he was, in, uh, he's in Culver City, but he was like designing all of my, like my artwork for my shop and wow. like he, he helped me in that way, but I felt like at that time he wasn't there for me emotionally and like if I needed him to like come to the shop and help me with something, it was really like pulling teeth and he seemed really put out by it and I'm like, I don't feel supported and loved and so... um I think like two months into our three-month trial, I finally got the shop open on March 6th. And I had like a big party to open it. He like showed up super late. So that was like a little upsetting That's to me. Fucking but annoying. like I tried to, you know, not focus on that because it was a really big day for me. Yeah. Um I got the shop open and we ended up getting in like a small argument that night. And then like the next day, he was like, something's going on with you. You don't seem quite right. Like, what's the deal? And I was like, well, I'm really embarrassed to talk about it. He's like, that's what we have each other for. Like, I was like, okay, well, I'm feeling super depressed. Like, my thoughts are getting really dark and I don't feel like supported and loved. And somehow he used that to bring up an argument from like two weeks ago that he still wasn't over. And we ended up getting in like the worst fight we've ever been in we never raised our voices to each other ever like if we had a disagreement we like talked about it like adults we were like shouting at each other over the phone like we'd never done that before and then he came over two days later and he ended the relationship so we would we were only two months into our three-month trial so I felt abandoned because I was like we made this deal you didn't hold up your end of the deal you're leaving me when I'm like in one of the darkest places of my life like that's not love yeah and I, I mean I'm sure it wasn't easy for him either. That's why he had to like separate himself from our, like our, just our dynamic wasn't good. We just weren't suited for each other. You guys gave it a go. We did. How'd you pull yourself out of the dark hole? Oh my God. It was real. It was really challenging. Like I just like got more depressed as it went on. And then I started season five of Drunk History. So I was trying to pay off all the debt I got into to open the shop, like the 30,000 I put in. So I was working on set Monday through Friday and then I was in my shop 
on Saturday and Sunday. So I worked like four months with no days off. And by the end of it, I was just like wrecked. Did you close down the shop? No, it's, it's still open. What's the name of it? It's called Bone Structure. Bone Structure? Check us out on Instagram at Bone Structure LA. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, bury the lead. Yeah. Just kidding. There's so many leads. <laughs> um, and... After that was when my therapist was like, I would really like for you to get into like group therapy. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I was super resistant to it. Group therapy? Yeah. It's like a women's process group. Um, and he does it on Tuesday nights for like two, seven, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And I was just like, I don't see a point. I don't want to do that. But I was in such like a bad place that I was like, I might as well try this. And this is just something your therapist provides much cheaper probably. It's a group thing. Yeah, it's like so. half the amount it oh, that's would be. nice. Okay. And so I started doing that. In August of that year, so I'm about a year and a half into group therapy now because I've stuck with it, and I swear it's like why I'm alive today. It's it really, I didn't notice it on a day to day basis for the first like maybe month. I was just like, yeah, whatever. I'm like showing up every Tuesday, and I'm like complaining about my life, and other women are like listening to me, and but then like a few, I think maybe like four sessions into it, I I was just like, oh my god, I didn't. I haven't thought about dying for like three days. This is great. I think it's making a difference. Yeah. It's just so nice to like be able to discuss similar issues with women who have much different life experience than me and are much older than me, but they struggle with like the same kind of thing. So like we're also different, but struggle with similar things just to feel like supported and it made such a big difference. Oh my God. So you, you gradually, the fog lifted. Yeah. It's a, it was a lot of work. I yeah. really had to like dig my way out of that ditch. And I, I, I slip up, you know. I got depressed again um, when I was working on this past season of Drunk History just because I, I was working so hard and not having any time for self-care. Yeah. So I realized like when I don't have time for self-care is when like I'll bat. Whoa. What was that? Angry. Somebody's upset with us. Um, What's, uh, what do you do for self-care? Uh, exercising. I wasn't exercising at all. And that's really important to me because I didn't have time. Yeah. Um, I didn't have time to go to individual therapy, but I was making sure I got off on early on every Tuesday to go to group. I was like, that is the one thing. And I also made a boundary for myself that I would not work in the shop on Saturday and Sunday. I would take Sundays off and watch football and shit. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what are you going to do for Super Bowl? Uh, nothing. I'm boycotting Super Bowl. Why? Because the Saints got robbed by the Rams. Oh. <laughs> and I was supposed to be in New Orleans this weekend to watch the Super Bowl in New Orleans with New Orleans fans. Oh, wow. Yeah, we got super robbed. Oh, um, my God. See, I'm not really invested, so I'm like, oh, I'm just going to watch I'm the Super Bowl. I'm emotionally invested in Wow. What yeah. should I do for the Super Bowl? Just go over to my boyfriend's house and watch it with some friends and yeah. have drinks? It's all about just getting to eat shitty food. Yeah. I just want to eat cozy, yeah. shitty food and like... Yeah, comfort food. Finally be able to drink cocktails. Yeah. And just watch commercials. The commercials are fun. You might see some friends in them. Might see some friends, yeah. see these cute men players and their cute butts like running around just oh, with yeah. guys in tight pants. How can you not love that? I don't have to be into sports to be into that. Right. Um, well, tell me about, I mean, my God, that's really, thank you for opening up about depression. I didn't know where this was going to go about depression. <laughs> and I thought I was, I thought I was the only one allowed to be depressed around yeah, here. But no. <laughs> we are. I say, it's funny because I think like people, especially with Instagram, like you're seeing like the most curated, like best versions of people's lives. And I know that like, I'm guilty of that sometimes too, but I'll also try to put something out there being like, Oh, FYI, I also struggle with anxiety and depression because I'm a real person. And I think 
mental health has such like a negative stigma to it because people think, oh, it's for like crazy people or weak people. And I'm like, no, it's for strong people because it's fucking hard. Yeah. It's like hard to like look at all these things we've repressed and like see our own flaws and like figure out how to fix them. Um, I'm like super dedicated to my mental health. And I feel like I've come such a long way maybe in the past like four years because I've stuck with it so So diligently. Therapy, exercise, taking time off Mm -hmm. from from working on the weekends just to like be cozy and be happy and yeah. just be a little bit stress-free. Yeah, sometimes I just want to be able to escape and watch Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Valentine's Day? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. I know. It's just like, uh, I mean, I love holidays in general, but that's like not one of them. I'm like, yeah. you love someone, love them every day. Yeah, it's true. It almost makes the day less romantic as all of a sudden all these bones. It's like... It's uh, tacky. It's, it's like, like going out on a Saturday. And red and like cheap stuffed animals and like yeah. who likes that chocolate that uh, comes in a box? Like, I don't like it, but I like no. pink and red and I like... <laughs> I like I like roses and uh, it exists, so... Uh, roses are beautiful. They yeah. smell great. Well... Let's take this to beauty for a second. Okay. Okay. So, but, and who have you worked with on Drunk History that was been super exciting? Oh and my like, God, and that's currently so many people. That's currently what you're working on now, right? We just finished season six. Wow. Uh, it just started airing a couple of weeks ago. I think it's our best season yet. Um, Evan Rachel Wood came back this season, and I just adore her. I love her too. She's just so cool, and her face just finds the light when she's on camera. She's really just striking. Yeah. And she's a real person. She's yeah. Um. She doesn't seem to have any kind of like ego. She's so strong. She's really talented. I just follow her on Twitter. That's all I know about her is what I follow of her on uh, Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) We were shooting this Frankenstein um, story with her this season. And Derek likes, Derek's the host of the show. He likes to like put music on once in a while just to like set a tone. And he had on um, that like iconic song from Beetlejuice where they're all get up around the table and dance. She literally knew the dance like beat for beat. She and I was like, did. I'm more in love with her now than I ever have been. Cause that was like my favorite movie growing up as yeah. a kid. Oh, me too. She's so cool. And then like Tony Hale comes every season and he's one of the loveliest human beings I've ever met. Like the kind of person who really is interested about other people. Yeah. So he'll like come into the makeup trailer even when he has downtime instead of sitting in his trailer and he'll just like plop into the seat and like talk to us and, and just be kind and nice yeah he's lovely there's any, so many great people that come to do that show any nightmare stories we don't have to name names not on that show I mean we've had a couple duds that just like weren't very like warm or friendly I'm not gonna name names because I think that's too scandalous of course um, but overall like everyone who comes to do that show they genuinely want to do the show they want to have a good time they're not getting paid a lot of money to yeah. do it so it's like a great atmosphere. Like the actors have the best job on that show for sure. Tell me about, because on Instagram we're, when we were DMing, we are talking about yours. You're like, I know about plastic surgery. And we we're talking about, because I'm so fascinated. Like, well, I want to know products you love uh-huh. that you'd want to recommend. Any kind of like things for my listeners, like that they should check out, try procedures, f- facials, laser facials. I don't know. What are you into? Okay. So here's like my new obsession. Yeah. Um, Microneedling with PRP. It's also known as the vampire facial, but you can't really, like, there's this one doctor that trademarked the term vampire facial, so nobody else can market it as a vampire facial, so they market it as microneedling with PRP. So, what PRP is microneedling with PRP, mm-hmm. okay. PRP is plasma rich platelets. So, they do a blood draw from your arm, they'll take like two vials of blood, they'll take two vials of blood, and they'll put it in a centrifuge, which spins 
that spins the blood really fast. So it separates the blood material from the plasma. The plasma's clear. So they'll take the plasma and they'll put it on your face and they'll use a derma pen to micro needle your own plasma into your face. So the derma pen stamps directly like little tiny needles and you can change the depth depending on how deep you want to go. And it'll stamp that right into your face and it basically makes your collagen just like boost to the surface. So it's great for like discoloration, fine lines, enlarged pores. I did one over the, um, I think it was in the spring and after, I don't wear foundation anymore now. Really? Mm-hmm. I just wear like a very light powder. You're not wearing any foundation right no, now? No, I have concealer under my eyes, but no, I don't wear foundation anymore. I'm like covering my eyes to be like, oh, ahoy matey, what's going on over there? It just like, even my skin tone out, so I'm due to get another one. I would love, like, doing a series of them is like, you'll get the best results. How much are they and how much is a series of them? Or how many in a series? So... I would like to do like a series of three of them, like spaced out a month, because I think that would give me really good results. In one month? No, or like each month. Three like, months. So do like over three months. Okay. So in LA, one session of microneedling, it's expensive. It ranges from like $750 to like $1,200 for one. I go to a girl in Baldwin Park. Her name is Paula. She's fucking amazing. And she takes my clients for $350 per session. Oh. Like she'll take my referrals. Normally the place charges, I think, $550, which is still cheap compared to LA prices. It's worth it for me to drive like 40 minutes of Baldwin Park. They take your blood out mm-hmm. of you. So is she a phlebotomist? Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, look it up. Phlebotomist is a person who's like main job and like they're an expert in drawing blood. But uh, she's a phlebotomist and then she spins your own blood to mm-hmm. get the plasma from your own blood. Yeah. Because like, you know, what are all the horror stories we've been reading about, about like people getting like... AIDS from these things. Oh, I did read something about that. Yeah, recently. I feel like I have That's to say so that. So rare, but it, like, if you're going to like a divey kind of a divey place, you but, want to do your research and make sure you're going to a reputable place. And also, it made it sound like it was like you're getting somebody else's blood. Oh, oh God, that should never happen. You're getting your own blood, yeah. the plasma from your own blood. Okay. Well, God. Okay, so three of those once a month for three months. Yeah, that's ideal. Oh my God. Okay, what else? Tell us else, everything. Ring out your brain. Right now. Hmm. What, what products? Mascara? Oh. Lips? Do you do any filler? Do you like yeah. Botox? So I got my under eyes filled for the first time. You did? Yeah. Over, I, uh, when was that? I think it was in like the fall, early fall. Yeah. I hated it. What happens when they fill? What is that? I've so, seen Brittany. Brittany has done it on her Insta story. Oh, Brittany really? Furlan. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it looks so painful. So I just didn't want to have to wear a concealer anymore because I don't like the way it sits in my creases. So I was like, oh, I want to get rid of like the bluish hue under my eyes. So that's actually your muscle showing through and filler doesn't really do anything to conceal that. What filler does is if you have hollows in your eyes where shadows are created, it fills that area so that you don't get those shadows because your hollows will be smoothed out. I didn't realize that at the time. And the woman I went to, I've been going to her for like Botox and stuff over the years. And she's like, eye filler is really finicky. Like it's ruined relationships between like injectors and clients before because it's such it's such a hard thing to do. But I felt like... I paid $700 for a vial of filler. She only used maybe like a quarter of it. And I was like, no, I could have used a lot more of it. Like she just kind of put it in the inside corners where I feel like she could have dragged it out through like towards the outer corner of the eye. 
But I didn't go back to have it touched up because I, I just, I'm like, I paid $700 to get a two-week bruise on my face. Wow. And I had to put concealer on it every day. And I don't think it did that much. And I felt like I could see the filler. I mean, nobody else could see it, but like I could tell. And I was like, I don't think I would do that ever again. You pay for a certain amount of filler. Mm-hmm. And if they don't use it, can't they put that in your laugh lines or, your, or in That's your... That's what I should have done. Like, because I do have some little like smile lines in the outside corner of my mouth. But what happens with the... F- Filler when it because it goes away or how long does yeah, it last? Yeah, your body for? your body just like metabolizes it essentially. Really? Yeah. Oh my god! What kind of filler? Because what are the choices? There's Juvederm. So Juvederm I've done in my lips before, but I think under my eye, I think I got Restylane maybe under my eyes. Restylane. I just can't remember. Oh, well, try to remember. This is so exciting. But I'm a Thank guinea you. pig. Like I love trying things because then I can recommend it to my clients. Thank you for talking about this because I can't talk about this with any of my other guests because they're they're like. Actresses, or yeah, they, they don't, don't want their talk. secrets out. Yeah, and they're just like they think I'm attacking them, but it's like the fact that we can just talk about this, and you've tried stuff, and you can tell me. This is yeah. like all I want. This is so great. Okay, wait. So you tried Juvederm, Juvederm in your in my lips, in your lips. Mm-hmm. How did that go? Is this what I'm looking at right I now? Because it. it looks yeah. good. <laughs> well, I haven't done it since last February, so what? it's been like a year for me. So I don't really have much left in there. Let me see these lips. Hold on. Where did you do it? So, in the top and bottom? Yeah, top and bottom. Oh, my God. I'm, my lips are asymmetrical. So the top left lip slopes under a little. And then my bottom right corner of my lip kind of like kicks over to the side in a weird way. So I mostly would just fill the top left. The top left. And the bottom right. I'm loving this bottom but lip. But then I would do like a this little fill all around A little that. fill all around. So last time I got it done, it was like, I think it was Valentine's Day last year. Yeah. Suddenly to, it matters I, to you. Valentine's went, Day matters. You want to look your best. No, because I was gonna... just like, I'm going to Palm Springs and doing nothing by myself for two days. So I'll get my lips done on my way out to Palm Springs at this new place I wanted to try. I, it, I went overboard. You did? Yeah. like the, With it, lips? Yeah. They were real big then. Like This is the small version of the lips because it's been nearly a year. Yeah, it's been nearly a year. So there's not much left in there. I think honestly what's left is probably just scar tissue because I'm like, there's no way I have filler left after a year. Oh, so when you put, so this is Juvederm, mm-hmm. it can create, it can or it always creates scar tissue? It usually does a little bit. And I've been do, I was doing my lips for mm, like maybe four years. So it's like... At first, I was getting them touched up every six months, and then I realized for two months they were too big. So then I would wait eight months, and then I was like, "Oh, then that's a little too big," and then ten months. So this is the first time I've waited like a whole year because oh, I was like, great. I wanted it to all dissolve out, but I, I don't know. I was You're looking out like- with somebody who was like, "I can feel it," and I was like, "Shut up." He said that. Yeah, <laughs> this is the best podcast we've ever done together. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, wow. Wait, did you had you told him? Did you tell him? No, he knew. So he called me out on it. We were on like. FaceTime like on Christmas Eve and he was like I was talking about body modifications and he's like okay what do you have you have your eyebrows tattooed your, your arm is tattooed solid black I had a breast reduction and he's like and you have filler and I'm like well, I don't know what you're talking about what do you mean I have filler and he's like oh come on and I'm like no tell me what what do you think I and he's like you have lip injections and I was like how do you know? He's like, because I can feel it when I make out with you. And I was like, I've never had anyone tell me that before. This is very important podcast fodder right here. This is <laughs> so important. I didn't even know that that was possible. Yeah. It feels like firmer. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Wait, I thought it just felt like that way at the beginning. So for the first two months, they definitely feel from. But I thought after that, but it's been. I'm gonna get a kiss. February. I'm gonna get a kiss after this <laughs> podcast. I'll put some listerine minster in my mouth, and I'll go. I just want to know what it feels like. Actually, I'm not joking. I hope that's okay with you. We don't have to. <laughs> never mind. That's too much. I'm being very aggressive. But uh, I've, well, I've never made out with anybody with lip filler before. So I'm like now I'm like oh I should find someone with lip filler to make out with to see if I can feel a difference. You should. And I don't even really want to make out just to go back to that. <laughs> I just want to like be like like a casual like, like yeah. Just to you see. Able to feel it from that. I think you really have to like suck you, on the oh, lip or really? something in order to feel it or to feel it. But um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So he said that. This was the other day. This was around Christmas. Are you still dating this guy? Not really. I don't know if you would call it dating. All right. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So this, we're talking Juvederm on the lips. You've had a boob reduction. Uh huh. How big were they before? None of my business. Okay. You don't so they're basically like the same size they were when I got reduced, essentially. So I was a 36. Triple D, which is basically an E. Wow. And I was 22 years old. I did it in New York before I'd moved back, moved out to LA. Wait, you got them that made that big? Or no, that's how they, they, big they were. They were that big. They were almost an E and I got reduced to like a big B, small C. And I fucking loved it. It was like the best decision I ever made. Yeah. I was like, I don't care about the scars. I look cuter in clothes. I don't look as heavy set. Like, wow. but I was, I was, my frame was bigger then. Like I was heavier then. Um, and then... I like lost a bunch of weight a few years ago and they got even smaller and I was like, this is fucking great. Oh yeah. But now <laughs> I've like put on some weight again, but I feel like it's all gone to my tits. Like my tits and ass basically is where I gain my weight. Sounds, <laughs> sounds like a dream. Um, <laughs> but I don't want big boobs. Like I want like, I love like small, I think it's so sexy to have small boobs and you can wear like low cut, like deep V and it looks sexy and when you have big boobs that shit looks trashy oh so like today well they look like nice. my, you yeah, my tits are definitely hanging out they're right coming now. out a bit because you're wearing this sexy bodysuit but yeah. i mean i will I report you myself into this i'll report you later <laughs> to the podcast please but uh oh my god but i would love great. to get another reduction another reduction yeah, i would love to do it again oh i don't want you going under the knife I like I like I have such a high pain threshold. Like you do, yeah. well, they put you under. Yeah, they put you yeah. under. But it's like amazing. Like plastic surgery. If I had a lot of money, I could see myself getting addicted to it. Really? Because, yeah, because like you go to sleep and you wake up and you're different. Oh, that and is like, cool. Oh, I like shit. your attitude. It's so much more fun and like not so like serious. Where it's like, oh, oh god. Like I haven't had Botox or done any filler, but I do get self conscious about my smile lines. Yeah, if I'm not, if I'm not well rested, they're like really we deep. All have things that we're like self conscious yeah. about, and I think people like. But it's nice to have a fun attitude really about it. Really poo-poo on like plastic surgery and altering yourself. And I'm like, I have no problems with people altering themselves. It's when you take it past that line where you're like, oh shit, that doesn't look good. Or you start to look like everyone else because everyone's having the same procedures done. Like yeah. Like Kardashian culture, you know? I like the Kardashians. So I think they're so pretty. They are now. Oh God, exactly. But uh, yeah, I guess, but then I get so, I'm so naive. Like I'll look at people and then when everybody has like plush, like bee stung lips, I think they're natural because I'm just like, well, this is just, a, this is like, I don't know. I have a hard time telling unless it's like totally like. Well, I like to keep mine really natural looking. So most people don't know that I have mine. I on. thought yours were natural because they just look like. They look the way they did when I was in high school. But as you get older, your collagen goes away and your lips do start to deflate. So I basically just replaced oh my the collagen I've lost as I've aged. I'm like patting my lips. Like, oh God, <laughs> are we going to be okay? Well, I have that light, uh, red light thing for collagen. Does that work, do you think? I don't know. I'm skeptical about it. What other stuff do you like? Laser facials or... IPL photofacials I love. What are they? IPL photofacials. So they're good for also... Um, IPO? IPL, intense pulsed light. 
So that's good for discoloration, sun damage, minimizing fine lines, and shrinking down your pores a bit. What else? What else do Just I? Just tell us everything. I'm going to correct you. I wide like, open. I want to do my Botox again. Like I don't. It's all worn off. I haven't had it done in so long. But I was like looking at my forehead in the mirror the other day, and I'm like, eh, maybe it's time. You look great to me. I don't see oh, any thanks. problem. Like, what are we talking for all this stuff? So it's like, let's say you get lips done, and you just do them once, and they last for six months or a year. Let's say a year. It's like six hundred dollars. So six hundred dollars a year mm-hmm. if you do it once a year. Botox. How often do you need that? Okay, that is like three months. If you're like, if you're lucky, my body metabolizes it pretty quick. So yeah, if I wanted to be diligent and like have it done on the regular, I'd do it every three months. I haven't done it in like probably seven, six or seven months now. At this I wouldn't point. even bother doing it. You look great. No, I mean, there's none left at this point. But four, um, four times a year, let's say, if you're doing it every three months, four times how a much? Year. At, it depends at, on how many units you need. So like when I first started doing it, it was when I turned 30. So I think I was only getting like 20 units in my like little number 11s between my eyebrows. Number 11s. Yeah. But now that I'm 36, I have more lines. So I'm using like, I think like 36 units now. So if you're... It, on average, it's $12 a unit. So you're looking at like $400. Every three months? Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's $1,600 for Botox. That's about $600 for... Oh, wow. Yeah, it adds up. $1,600 for Botox, $600 for filler on your lips, and then laugh lines, smile lines. Let's say you get Juvederm mm-hmm. or Restylane or whatever. I think one is better than the other, I've heard. And I'm sure there are even better things now or whatever. Tell me if you know about them. But how... Because I've heard my dermatologist say... Oh, you know, it's for it's preventative. It's preventative. Mm-hmm. Is this true or is that just bullshit? I think Botox is, can be preventative, but like filler, not so much. It's like the damage is done at that point and you're just plumping it out. Yeah, because I remember her telling me, she's like, oh, it's like if you put filler in now, then the crease won't continue to get deeper and deeper and deeper. Doing filler and laugh lines is actually really tricky too because you can sometimes, if they don't do it right, like you can see it and that's not cute. You get puffy, but if your if your lines are really minimal, the micro needling is so good for it, and that it doesn't like. There's no real side. Is, is there a side effect to that? There's like a little bit of downtime. So downtime. <laughs> when yeah. I got mine done, I had never done it before, so I wasn't sure like what my face was gonna look like. Yeah. And I went out to Baldwin Park, got my face microneedled, and went straight to Drunk History to shoot a narration with a drunk person. And I showed up, and everyone was like, "Holy shit! Did you get a?" crazy sunburn in the past 24 hours and I was like no oh, I got my face microneedled and so you can't wear makeup for the first few days and it's red and then How it starts raw. to like f- get dry and like flaky yeah so I don't think and you don't want to put makeup on top of flakiness because it looks even worse so yeah. I think I just didn't wear makeup for like a week you just gotta be by yourself then for like two days when I put my makeup on my it was like so smooth it was like such a perfect canvas well that sounds so nice I've done microneedling one time with my mom because she like bought a kit or something mm-hmm. but I was like ow and she was doing it and we didn't know how deep to go and then I was like I had like little like dots of blood like, Was that with the roller? The roller The roller is really bad Okay this Oh no is, Actually I want to talk about the roller Thank you So people don't realize this because you see it on Instagram all the time Everyone's like this is so great Think about the way the needles are placed on a roller and when you're dragging it into your skin they're not going directly in they're basically gouging your skin as the roller moves so you're doing more harm than you are good whereas uh-huh. the microneedling stamps directly straight into the skin okay so that's way better okay god and also they not that you should use a numbing cream before doing it a numbing cream before mm-hmm. you do it yeah all right keep telling me more stuff um what else so uh, oh, well, I was going to say this. 
I got really nervous about filler just looking at Madonna's Instagram posts. And I've said I've talked about her Instagram before on a recent podcast, but uh, I'm just thinking, okay, so Madonna, mm-hmm. she's a gazillionaire. She has access to everything. If she's putting shit in her face and she no longer looks like Madonna, like she still looks like Madonna, but from a weird angle, she's got that puffy vibe. Yeah. I'm thinking if Madonna can't get a wrangle on her fucking puff factor after injectables, I don't stand a chance. I'm a goner. Yeah, I don't know how that happens, honestly. Like, you're Madonna. You have all the money in the world. You should be going to the best people. Like, why are they allowing you to look puffy like that? I'm not sure what happens. That- did you see her? Have you seen her recently? Like, she's no, like a lazy eye. Her, like, bad butt. Did you see the... She got like... Uh, I don't... She must have gotten a butt implant because she... she got a... No. Don't tell me Madonna got a butt implant. Oh my I God. can't handle this right now. You don't now. know about this? You have to look up the pictures. Oh, my God. Uh, by the way, everybody listening, we're not shit-talking Madonna. We're discussing Madonna. She's a public figure. We have a lot of respect for her. Things she does affects us, so we're going to talk about it, but I love that, Madonna. So, yeah, she's very talented. She's actually, like, sort of in my family now by marriage in a weird way. What? <laughs> my brother married a man who's cousins with Madonna. Your brother married a man uh-huh. who is cousins. She did not come to the wedding. <laughs> so your 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 brother, your uh, cousin, your brother's, my brother. your brother's, brother's husband. husband's cousin is what to Madonna? Is Madonna. Oh They're like God. second cousins or something. I think they've only met like once. I can't believe but it. But I can still say like, I'm sort of related. You're totally related to Madonna. <laughs> we'll keep talking. So, um, it just goes back to like the, there being a fine line about going too far with things and body dysmorphia. I am guilty. I have body dysmorphia for sure. Like I wear a size small and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, you're a size large person. You're gorgeous. I feel bad to be like, oh my God, you're like Anne Hathaway. You're so beautiful. Your lips are so plot. Like I'm, am I feeding into like, you're like, I better keep my lips <laughs> no, up. Tell me, tell me how great I am. I mean, you do. You don't need to do anything else. Nothing so, but you look like you're 24 and I'll three quarters. Great. Yeah. That's all I have I to say. I thought 28. I could pass for 28, 24. Sure. Oh God. If I like, I need to get some <laughs> microneedling so I could be like, I don't want to be like 29 and a half on a good day. 30, 31 and a half on a good day. But anyway. I mean, she, okay. Think about Madonna. She's been in the spotlight for so long. There's so much pressure on her to like look amazing. She's aging. She's a thin woman. Like you look at her, she has no fat on her body. She doesn't? Like she's muscular. How old shit. is she? Like 60 something? She's fucking up there. Yeah. But she look her her body's amazing. But what happens is like things start to sag. So I'm sure because she's in the public eye all the time, she's probably feeling insecure about the fact that her butt is starting to look like a droopy older woman's. Droopy so she's like, I'm gonna do something about it. So there's two there's two things you can do about a butt. Oh my God. <laughs> you can do an implant, which is a little bit outdated, or you can do a fat transfer, which is what the Kardashians do. What? How do you know these things? Research. I'm obs- I told you if I had money, I would probably be a plastic surgery addict because I find it so fascinating. So if we're talking as a fat, fat transfer? Fat transfer. So what they do is they do liposuction like of whatever your problem areas are on your body. They take that fat, they refine it, and then they inject that into your butt or wherever you want to transfer the fat to, hips, butt, whatever. They can do it to your breasts now as well. Um, I'm like, you can't see my face, you guys. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God. Madonna is a woman who has no fat on her body. She has no fat on her body. So there's no way that she could do, they call it the Brazilian butt lift. Ugh, they, they make it sound so trashy. That's what the Brazilian butt lift yeah. is, injecting your own fat into, didn't like 
Samantha do this on Sex in the City. Oh. Did you ever watch Sex in the City? I did. But like there was a thing where she had her fat from her, her ass her injected mouth? in her face. Yeah, in her mouth, it seems something. like she probably would. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good for her. I mean, it's it's better to have your own body's material than like a foreign substance yeah. you know, put into your body. So, I mean, I think the art of fat transfer is amazing. Like women's lives are changed because you can completely like reshape your body. I saw a before and after picture where the woman's body looked like you know Hank Hill from King of the Hill, the cartoon? Yeah. He's like a square um, to like a perfect hourglass. Like really? that, I mean, the amount of confidence that women probably gained from having that surgery, like that's why I don't want to shit on people who have surgery. Like it can really change your life and make you feel better about yourself. Yes, in like a vanity sense, but that's valuable, especially, you know, that we're, we live in a culture, especially in Los Angeles, where these beauty standards are so ridiculous to me. And then once you do something about it to look that way, then you're shunned because you did that. That's such a great point. And also you do so much internal work. It's like you're talking about therapy and working on yourself and all these things and not drinking and self-care and like managing your mental health and all this stuff. It's like, that is very important, the internal yeah. stuff. But yeah, the external matters as well. You know, yeah. you, and you want to be beautiful inside and out. Yeah, but you, you'd hope that like the person is working on their internal stuff yeah. as well. That's like the most important. But yeah, God forbid they should. So with Madonna, like she has no fat to take from. So obviously she's had an implant done, which is much more dangerous. What's an implant? I can't believe this shit is real. I'm so naive. I was born and raised in Hollywood, and I'm like so. I'm like, <laughs> no way. Does that really happen? Well, implants aren't like breast implants. Like breast implants are silicone. So basically, it's like a bag filled with a gel. Um, a butt implant is firmer. It's the same substance throughout. So it can't like people say, oh, their butt implant exploded. That doesn't happen. You can't like pop one. But I've seen like, oh, there's like a video online where a woman's butt implant flipped around. So it was like flat on the outside and she literally takes her hand and flips the implant in her ass so that it goes back to being rounded out. I was like horrified. Oh my God, will you please send me this video? <laughs> yeah, I'll find it somewhere. Oh my God, I, want, I just want you to send me all these things you're talking about. I'm like freaking out. Okay. <laughs> So, so I'm just like, Madonna got an ass implant. Yeah. And I she guess, like went overboard with it. But body dysmorphia is like a real thing. We don't see ourselves the way others see us a yeah. lot of the time, especially when you live in LA and you see like gorgeous women everywhere. You're constantly comparing yourself to people on the street or people on Instagram. But most people on Instagram like Photoshop themselves. It's not real. They're miserable. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. I don't use filters. Like I don't, I'm not a selfie queen, but like if I post a photo of myself, like I don't use filters. I don't use Facetune. I just don't. Um, There's this girl I know who was like the other day she said, uh, she's like, I can't even go out, leave my house because I I wish I had a face filter or something or or something like something weird like that. And I was like, oh my God, sweetie. Oh shit. Yeah. Because yeah. Anyway. Yeah. She just doesn't want to leave her house because she can't filter her face. That's very sad. It's dark. But yeah, God. So microneedling and microblading are two separate things. Yes, I think that's what I learned is today. Very different thing. Oh my God. Well, what should I get done? When should oh my I God. Do it? No, I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> oh God. No, I'm so excited. And so couples counseling is what we learned. Couples counseling is great. Try to start ASAP. ASAP. <laughs> Oh God! I did couples counseling when I was like twenty-one years old. Wow! I mean, we didn't didn't last. We were together for five years. We got engaged at like twenty-one or something, and then we broke up because it was just like two kids trying to play house together, so young. But uh, but yeah, I I think for me, like, I don't want to do couples counseling now. But before we get married, before we have kids, and if we get in a fight, and if we have another big huge fight, 
like where it's like we're speaking different languages. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make an appointment. I'm going to go, I think we need to do this. This is important to me. And then before marriage, before kids. So like that's three sessions right there. Yeah. So yeah. Oh my God. Well, what rock did we not on a turn? <laughs> did we not turn over about beauty and life? We talked about everything. Yeah, we did. We cover good ground. I mean, there are no more beauty secrets. Any any like cheap like things that are amazing that somebody could find at Target that you're like that's indoor that that like you think is great. Okay, yeah, I do have like one Target product that I love. It's you know Elf Cosmetics. I do. So because I'm like an eyebrow queen and I love eyebrows, I use brow gel in my in my eyebrows every day to like stand them up and like get them to go in one direction. Um, so they Elf has like a two dollar clear brow gel that I'm like if you don't if you're on a budget. And you need a brow gel. Yeah, that is the one to get. Oh my god! Oh, my, well, give me more budget secrets. Like what? Um, Wet and wild. Uh, I also like Elf's brushes too. They're synthetic. I prefer synthetic brushes over to real hair brushes because real hair brushes, like the the bristles, kind of like break off, and then you'll get like little pieces stuck to your face. I've synthetic don't do that. Okay. Um, and their brushes are like three dollars yeah. each. Basically, they have like a six dollar brush also that I really like. Um, Let's see, on a budget. It's hard for me because I'm a professional makeup artist, so I get discounts. I know, you people jerk. People send me stuff. God. Uh, so, yeah, I don't do a lot of like drugstore makeup shopping. Yeah. What about, what kind of, uh, do you go to Sephora? Do you ever like, so you, you don't even go in there because you just get things sent to you all the time. Yeah, it's a write-off. Like, there's professional makeup stores out in the valley where I get discounts. But um, they don't, oh, so the professional stores I go to, they don't carry Tarte Cosmetics, and Tarte is like one of my favorite brands. And that's like Friends, right? There's like Friends, Friends and then... Nigel's, Namie's, those are like the top three and there's Cinema Secret, but the, they're more for like character stuff, not so much for beauty. Are those places cheaper or more expensive where you get a discount? No, it's or... like the same standard retail price, but I get like a 40% discount on most brands. Yeah. But Tarte only, they only have it at like Ulta and Sephora. So if they don't send me stuff, I just go and just buy it. Tarte is, they're vegan, cruelty-free. Um, they're more on the natural side. Like they have a lot of like Amazonian clay foundation and I just love their products. What's the deal with Benefit? Are they bad news? I use some Benefit stuff, but I think they... I heard some kind of rumor about I them. Know. I don't know. Um, what's it between Ulta and Sephora? Like what's better? I think I like Ulta Sephora. also carries drugstore brands. Oh. So Sephora only carries like, you know, higher end brands. Whereas Ulta will have like Revlon and Maybelline and Wet n Wild and all that stuff. What's the secret to getting a perfect like cat eye eyeliner thing? I always I try to do like a really thin line, but I fuck it up every time and it gets all like crunchy looking and... It depends on the product you're using. So a lot of people like those like felt point tip markers, which I like because they don't run, they don't like run a lot. Like once they're dry, they're pretty much in place. But I find I get like a better glide if I'm using like a gel liner on a very tiny angled brush. But cat eye is really hard because it doesn't work for every eye shape. When I was younger, I wore a cat eye like every day and it suited my eyes so well. Like you have a good shape eye for it. But now that as I've gotten older, my eyes are more hooded and my crease comes down further on the side. So I can't get like a nice smooth transition with my cat eye because I get like a buckle in the corner. I think that's the case with me. Oh my God. Hooded. As we get older, we get a, we get, we get hooded. Some people do. Yeah. Oh, this is horrible. Just check mine out real quick. Let's see. Hold on. You have to look straight at me. Okay. Is it bad news? No, because you have opening on each side. Like your crease doesn't come all the way down to your crease doesn't come all the way down to there. It's up higher. Yeah, you're good. I'm good, my, guys. <laughs> I have one side that's better than the other because my face is actually super unsymmetrical. Really? Yeah. I don't believe it because you're so beautiful, and that's no. like you can 
beautiful people have symmetrical faces. That's what they say. But I put my face into this app where, oh boy. I, where I mirrored each side. <laughs> yeah. And I mirrored. So whenever I take a photo, I always cheat to my left because I feel like that's my good side. Oh, yeah. My right side, I prefer, I think. Yeah, my right. I mirrored the left side and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like a beautiful alien angel. Why can't I look like this in real life? My nose looks all tiny and my eye shape is like beautiful and open. And then I mirrored my right side and I was like, Oh my God, I'm a fucking monster. So in real life, I feel like I'm an average looking woman. But yeah, my face, I like I look like two totally different people. Really? Yeah, and people usually don't, they're like, no. And I'm like, if you put my face in the app, you would understand. Wait, what's the good side? What's the first side? My you my prefer that side. one? Yeah. God, I thought it would be that one. I don't know. I can't now I'm like looking at you and yeah. like, like who's who? This I, is my better eye. Um oh, I have like a droopy eye too. I have like a not that you have I think. Me about me. I also have. Uh, I have a droopy eye. Like if I like smile, I'll be like, I can't remember. It's like <laughs> something goes wonky. There's an episode of Seinfeld where he dates this girl, and every time there are a lot of episodes where he dates a girl, but he dates this one girl, and she, he calls her a changeling because if he sees her in like the wrong light or at the wrong angle, oh. she looks like totally different and like a monster. And I don't remember that one. And I, when I started dating my boyfriend or any guy, I would be ever be, ever be dating. I would always think, oh my God, am I like that girl from Seinfeld? Like, did I catch some weird light? Am I like, <laughs> is he seeing like this weird angle? Like, or all of a sudden I look old and like tired oh and like, uh, like, cause that happens. Your face looks pretty symmetrical to me. That's all I wanted you to say. That is all <laughs> the entire podcast. I was like, when is she going to say it? When is she going to say it? Um, anything else? Let me ring your brain. Oh, how do you get an effortless wave in your hair? Do you go to bed in a braid? No, I use a silk pillowcase. What? Yeah. So um, I don't like uh, washing and styling my hair because I can't put a lot of heat on it. My hair's really fragile. It'll break. It makes it unhealthy. So I really just like wash my hair once every four days. So I'll style it on the first day. I'll like blow dry it and then I'll use like a barrel and wrap. I'll like wrap my hair around the barrel in different directions. Like I'll alternate the directions of the wrap. And then I sleep on a silk pillowcase. Whereas if you're sleeping on a cotton pillowcase, it's coarser and it'll like rough up your hair more. And yeah. the silk one, it just kind of like glides nicely. Okay. Um, and then I just dry shampoo the shit out of it every few days. You dry shampoo the shit out of it. Um, is it better to only condition once a week, do you think? And like mainly just shampoo or dry I, shampoo? No. So the way I do it is like I'll wash my hair. Is this even interesting? Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, so this is how I wash my hair. We've been um, podcasting for seven hours and we're just I'll getting good. I'll wash my hair and I'll condition the ends. I don't put conditioner on my scalp ever. Okay. I just condition the ends. And I only wash my hair like every four days. But because I use so much dry shampoo, I'll have to like lather, rinse, repeat. So I'll like shampoo it twice put conditioner on, leave the conditioner in while I'm like washing my body and shaving. All right. Rinse it out and rinse your hair with cold water because it seals the cuticle and keep it like shinier and nicer. See, we're getting hot tips. Mm-hmm. I take a bath every day, once in the morning, once at Shall night. I don't have a bathtub. I couldn't live without a bath. I mean, I could. I'm sure I could handle it. But uh, so I'm just like dunking in the warm tub, in the hot tub. So I'm not rinsing with cold water is what I'm saying. So I'm doing myself a huge disservice. <laughs> I'm going to have a shame spiral after this podcast. That's pretty impressive that you like wash your hair in the bathtub though. Why? I don't know. I don't think I've ever really done. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember sitting in the bathtub and my mom like dumping buckets of water over my head to like rinse the shampoo out of my hair. But when I take a bath, I'm like, I put my hair up. It's for like leisure. I do it in hotel rooms because I don't have a, I only have like a huge shower stall. I don't have a bathtub. Yeah. So I really cherish those bath moments. I love, I take Epsom salt baths. I I vibe. Tons of Epsom salt I have it sent from like, I don't know, Target and I have it delivered because I don't want Ooh, to carry all of yeah. it or whatever. Yeah. And I wash my hair in the tub. 
because I feel like I'm never that filthy. Because people will be like, aren't you just filthy wallowing in your own filth and the thing and you're washing your hair, you disgusting monster. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't think so. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Listen, we covered it all. We did it. We talked about bodily functions, dating applications, work, stress, life, love, beauty products, hair details. What else is there to know? Anything else? Where can we find you? What do you want us to tell oh, people? Okay. So yeah, I mean, I'm not really good at promoting my business, which is something I should probably do. Do it now. Um, you can find my business on Instagram. I mentioned earlier, Bone Structure LA. I am terrible at updating it. I hate it. If somebody uh, is looking to work up their portfolio of doing social media for people, reach out to me. You can run my (laughs) social media for me because I don't want to do it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I have a personal Instagram account, just Kat Bardo, all one word, but it's mostly just memes, self-deprecating memes about dating. (laughs) That's what you'll find on there. That's my favorite. Um, But yeah, and then my website for my business is just bonestructurela.com. And And you can find all kinds of information about microblading and the cosmetic services that I offer. I do one-on-one makeup consultations. So have you ever seen the uh, show What Not to Wear? I've heard Stacey of it. Stacey London. She'll, they'll like go through your closet. They'll throw out all the shit that's not applicable to you and then uh, assemble outfits based on what you have with new pieces that they incorporate. So I basically do that with your makeup bag. Oh, really? Yeah, so I have people bring all their brushes. You come with your brushes clean, bring your makeup bag, and then I'll go through and I'll be like, oh, this foundation doesn't match you. Throw it out. And I have a huge kit, so I'll like color match you with my stuff, suggest products that will work for your skin type and your skin tone. I don't make any money off of those suggestions. You just go to Sephora and buy them. But I'll like design a an everyday makeup look for people that's like easy and attainable. Oh my God. Yeah. What's your favorite, uh, you know, affordable brand of uh, concealer or foundation? Um, well, my favorite concealer, uh, Tarte Maracuja Oil. I love that one. Yeah. Um, oh, there is a good drugstore one. It's called the Age Rewind. I think it's Maybelline. The Age Rewind? Yeah, that's what it's called. It has like a little puffy thing on the top and you just like crank it and the our product goes into the little puff. I really like that one. Um, it's like the only drugstore thing that I think I use on a regular basis. Uh, foundation. Oh, I love It Cosmetics as well. It Cosmetics? Mm-hmm. Are they expensive? Um, I think like, it depends on what you consider expensive. I think like the confidence in a compact cream that I used to use was like 38 bucks or something That's like that. not so bad. Yeah, and it lasts a while. What about moisture? Hydration for your face. Oh, yeah. Creams. Um, I personally have been using Origins Ginseng. I really like that one. But there's a, a company called Image Cosmetic, uh, Image Skincare. I really like most of their products. Like I use their under eye cream um, and they have a great matte moisturizer with like 50 SPF in it, which is super hard to find, like a high SPF moisturizer. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about, uh, what's that uh, line, the most expensive... Uh the most expensive eye cream. Oh, La Mer. La Mer. I used to. I think overrated. I, why is it overrated? Not I, worth the price. I think I would spend like thousands of dollars, like a month, maybe for this, like these little things of bullshit, and that's where all my money yeah. went. Why overrated? I just think that there's other products out there Excuse that are me. just as good, if not better, that are more affordable. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's like you're paying for the name. You're paying for the name. That's what it feels like to me. What am I thinking about? Elizabeth Arden? Is that good stuff? Mm, I don't really ever use it. Who cares about Elizabeth Arden? (laughs) Anyway, 
my God, I know I have my makeup bag out here. Do you apply foundation or concealer on with your finger or do you like a sponge? I like to do my under eye concealer with my finger because the heat from my finger like warms it up and can really get it into those creases. And then when I do foundation, I'll usually use like kind of like a kabuki brush and like buff it into my skin. And if there's like excess product on it, then I'll take like a, like a disposable, um, sponge or a beauty blender, those little egg-shaped ones, and I'll get it wet first and wring out all the water, and then I'll bounce that all over my face to just pick up any of the extra product that was like, if there's too much on there. Oh my God. Yeah. We're killing it with these secrets. <laughs> I mean, you are. This is great. Um, all the people listening who are listening only for beauty tips really had to wait to the tail <laughs> end. They've already they've hung themselves. They've jumped off a cliff. They're like, um, I do have my beauty bag here, but uh, I'll save that for later. Maybe we'll do a little Insta story. Oh, yeah. Or I can just dump it out and you can be like, what is this bullshit garbage? <laughs> well, if we said it all, I just want to say thank you for being on my podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. One of, some, one of my favorites of 2019. Oh, this is yeah. incredible. <laughs> I mean, I've done a lot. I've been banking episodes, so don't think. I know it's like we're only a few weeks into 2019. But anyway, thank you for being on the show, Kat. Thank you for having me. Bye.